That's pop music's other Taylor, Taylor Dane from 1988. Yes, this is what was on Top 40 Radio in 1988. Maybe hard for you to believe if you're from a different time. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. Today is September 26, 2013. And this show is two days late. Two days and about 20 minutes late. And... Uh, I'll give you the reason for that in a second, but uh, right now I want to tell you quickly about our free roll. We have a free roll, not as big of a free roll as usual, but you actually will have a better chance of winning because this show's on an off night. We have a smaller audience and a smaller group of people playing the free roll, so it all evens out. It's a $35 free roll. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room which can be found at the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You need an account there, but it's totally free. Not even any play chips needed to play in the free roll. The only thing you need to have is a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. Not the online poker site, but the forum dated January 1st, 2013 or before. If you don't have an account dated January 1st, 2013 or before on the Poker Fraud Alert forum... Please send me an email, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, exactly as it sounds, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, all lowercase. Tell me how long you've been listening to the show, tell me how long you've been reading the forum, tell me the things that you have liked and disliked about the show, and about the forum, and convince me you've been around for at least a few weeks, and I will give you a one-time, but lifetime, exception to win the free money here. You have to do that before you play, and the free roll starts in 15 minutes, so you better be quick with your email to me if you haven't sent it yet. You can also PM it to me at Dan Spacedruff on the forum. So tonight, the prizes in the free roll, which begin at 7.40 p.m. Pacific time. First place, 20 bucks. Second place, 10 bucks. Third place, 5 bucks. The money did not come from me. As usual, it came from our user base, and I appreciate that. Shady J donated $20. I appreciate that money. Willie McFML, I don't appreciate this as much because it actually kind of came from me. We made a bet about whether the Dodgers or the Cardinals will finish with a better record this year, and people actually accused me of taking advantage of my user base by offering this bet. Well, I guess the last laugh is on me and them. Because uh, it looks like the Dodgers are not going to finish with a better record than the Cardinals, barring a miracle. So, uh, Willie McFML is already donating $10 of his winnings. Which he's going to donate, you know, whether they whether he wins or not this bet, but he's probably going to win. Uh, so, he donated 10 bucks here, and Fatman548 donated $5 from his winnings last week. So, thank you to everybody here. And uh, those are our prizes, 20, 10, and 5. So, small pool, but small field. Tonight So you have a decent chance to finish in the top three And remember Even though we're only giving away $35 tonight Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money In its free rolls Than any poker podcast in the world In the past year and a half It's true, look it up In fact, I'm going to go as far to say We've given away more money Than any poker podcast in the universe Not just the world I know I've said that before But it it bears repeat Anyway, uh, I'm going to give you the agenda tonight. I am the only person who will be hosting the show tonight. As uh, usual, but China Maniac says that he might be returning to be a frequent guest co-host, which I, I hope happens, because 
I enjoy having him as a co-host. I enjoy having any co-host, but especially China Maniac. But I like all the co-hosts we've had. And it makes it easier on me. I'll tell you, it actually hurts me, not emotionally, not mentally, but physically, to do this show when I don't have a co-host. And there's a reason for that. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but try talking three hours non-stop, three or more hours non-stop, and see how your voice feels at the end. It's going to hurt. Now, you may say, oh yeah, well, big deal, a lot of radio hosts talk for three or more hours. Yes, but they have commercials, they have other hosts with them sometimes. I mean, you're not going to find many people who talk and talk and talk with no break for three hours. It's hard to do. I've actually had phone conversations that go over 13 hours, but... I'm not talking to myself. There's no way I could talk myself for 13 hours. So when I don't have a co-host, it really does take a physical toll on me. And that has to do with why this show is tonight, Thursday, rather than its usual Tuesday. On Sunday, I noticed I was coming down with a sore throat. Uh, I have a son who's almost three years old. He catches a lot of colds at preschool. I've actually done a pretty good job with dodging catching colds from him, which I'm actually surprised about because, uh, you know, we come in a lot of contact and babies are not very good at not coughing on you, not sneezing on you, not putting their hands in your mouth. So I should have actually caught a lot more than I have, but uh, I finally caught a cold from him and I could tell by the way it was developing that there was no way on Tuesday I was going to be able to do the show. So sure enough, on Tuesday, I would not have been able to do it. My throat would have hurt too much, especially by myself, to do this show So I I picked Thursday as a day that I was likely going to be better to do it. Now, a separate matter I announced that I would be missing the following week's show completely. That had nothing to do with getting sick. That actually had to do with something that was going to be coming up next week to where I was not going to be able to do it. It turns out that that's not the case. So next week, there will be a show. It will be on Tuesday as usual. And that will be on Tuesday, October 1st, we will have a show. Tuesday, October 1st, we will have a show. I was saying that was canceled. It is no longer canceled. So those of you who miss the show when it's gone, you'll be happy to know, happy to hear, that the show will not be gone next week and will not be gone any time in the foreseeable future. I try to make it out here every week because I know a lot of you depend on hearing this show. In fact, uh, last week... The show failed to archive. And then I actually did a second show the next day with the identical content. That was tough to do. And this is also tough when I don't turn off my ringer. And someone calls me during the show. That makes it sound like amateur hour. Last week when we did the makeup show, I actually paused the show a few times. The makeup show, not the main show. So I could answer the door, take phone calls, but that that was the best I could do because it was during the day and I had various obligations that day, but I squeezed the show in because it bothered me so much that the show did not archive. And actually what I'm doing right now as we speak is I'm looking and I'm seeing that the show is archiving right now so this won't happen again. I knew I fixed the problem, I just was paranoid it occurred again. But the show is archiving fine, there will not be a makeup show tomorrow. So, in case anyone questions my dedication to this show... You know if I do the same program twice, the same three-hour program twice in two days, you know I I must uh, have dedication to it, especially since this thing is not making me any money. If you hear me cough tonight or sneeze, I still have the remnants of the cold. So I apologize for that. I will try to mute the mic 
when I do that so I don't have to cough or sneeze in your ear. I know a lot of you listen to this with headphones on. Here's the agenda for tonight. And by the way, if you want to get into the free roll, it starts in eight minutes. There is no late registration. Before I give the agenda, actually, I'll give you my phone number to call me here. There's actually two phone numbers, the same two I always give out. 775-FRAUD-55. That's 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID. Dial star 82 at the beginning, or just uh, find some way to show your caller ID, or you just won't get through. It'll show busy to you. You can also call, call our Mount Charleston line. That's a telephone we have sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which is by Las Vegas. It's an old 70s rotary phone, but it forwards over here, wherever I am. That phone number, 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808, that's the Mount Charleston line. Something I think I'll be setting up soon is a line, it'll be the same phone number, you know, either of those two, but uh, you can call during the times we're not on the air and leave messages, and I'll play the messages on here. I've been meaning to do that for a while, I just... uh Hadn't set it up, but I'll set that up soon, and uh, that'll become a feature on this show. But that's the number to call me live, or one of the two numbers. And if I don't answer, don't panic. Just uh, try back in 15 or 20 minutes. It means I'm probably busy with something, like a rant or whatever, and I don't feel like pausing to take a call. But only thing I ask is you don't call me over and over and over again if I don't answer. Give it 15 or 20 between calls. Otherwise, I may not answer your call at all. Here's the agenda tonight. The Full Tilt Poker claim process is well underway. That's at uh, fulltiltpokerclaims.com. Unfortunately, it's not going smoothly at all. It's been a disaster so far, and we're only in the first week of it. I have run into a big mess with the whole thing. It's starting to look like that the company that is handling this, Garden City Group, known as GCG, is either incompetent or attempting to withhold as much money as possible for the government and pay out as little as possible. Maybe those were the instructions they were given. Or maybe it's both. Maybe they're trying to withhold money and they're incompetent. In any case, there are a lot of problems already. I've experienced some personally. I will describe those and I'll give my opinion as to what's really going on here. By the way, someone asking in the chat, where's Bad Guy? Bad Guy announced that a big thing was going to happen on this show, that he was going to drop a major bomb. I believe this is going to be delayed till next week. He told me something about that. I I have no idea what he's going to drop on us, by the way. I'm not hiding anything. But uh, he said something to me tonight in a private message that this will probably be delayed a week. So if you're here to listen to that, it's probably not going to happen. My apologies. Actually, his apologies. Actually, he probably doesn't apologize to any of you. Lock poker. Lock poker, they're a very frequent fixture on this show because they're always shady. They're always doing something wrong. They're always doing something to cheat the poker community. Well, they're doing something shady again. You know all their cash-out problems where basically nobody can get their money off there. Right now, lock poker, I I heard the money is now trading as low as 20 cents on the dollar, which is pretty bad. Well, apparently, people are now being offered under the table, secretly, fast cash out if you're a high-ranking player. I'll talk about that. The 2013 Poker Hall of Fame 
inductees, I actually said inductees, but the nominees are announced. I put inductees on the agenda. That's incorrect. It's actually who's been nominated. Two of those ten nominees will be inducted, or actually it should be zero, one, or two, but no more than two. I will tell you who all ten of them are and how I feel about all ten of them, whether they are deserving to get into the Poker Hall of Fame. And I'll even offer an alternate viewpoint from a listener of this show and a reader of the forum named Steve Ruddock, also known as Steve-O. He wrote an article about it. I think it's worth reading on the show. A lot of you are familiar with Seriously Serious' work. He makes a lot of funny song parodies about poker. I'm a big fan of his. He's actually co-hosted the show a number of times. Is there a female Seriously Serious out there? Someone came out with a video very similar style to his, and she's currently attempting to get a job at Poker News. I'll play the song and talk a little bit about that. I have some insider news regarding the future of online poker in California and New Jersey. It's already there in Nevada, but what about California and New Jersey? Tell you some things I heard about that from insiders in the industry. Speaking of New Jersey online poker, there's a rumor that the win is supposedly using Caesars for their online gaming in New Jersey. Crazy. They're big competitors. What's going on here? I'll talk about that. There's always people attempting to cheat in poker. Uh, of course, online, if you have access, you can look at people's hole cards in various ways. You can have access either through the server side, if you are involved in the company and want to cheat your own customers, UB style. Or you can look at people's hole cards if you can trick people into installing spyware on their computer or tamper with their machine. But uh, what if you're playing live? You can't look at people's hole cards through electronic chicanery. Well, poker cheating has been around for a very long time. It's been around since the 1800s. Well, someone was caught cheating, not in poker as we're familiar with, but uh, in a casino game called Mississippi Stud. Someone was caught cheating using invisible ink and contact lenses. And the scary thing is, this could be happening in our poker rooms right now. I'll talk about that. Also, uh, if if this show goes till 10 o'clock, I will attempt to call the Barcelona Arts Hotel. We tried to call them the last two weeks and failed. We're trying to reach the security department, and uh, they're just not there until uh, 7 in the morning, Barcelona time. That's 10 p.m. here, so I'm going to try to call at 10 p.m. if we're still on the air at that time and see if we can talk to someone there as a way to close the show. Uh, Finally, this is a topic that has nothing to do with poker, but I it's a topic that interests me, and that is computer security. And of course that bridges the gap between just a general topic and online poker, because you need to have a secure computer if you're going to play online poker for obvious reasons. Uh, But even if you don't play online poker, it's always important to keep your computer secure. And uh, this is an interesting story about a teenage hacker taking control of webcams and doing something very bad once he takes control of them. I'll talk about that, and I'll talk about the increasing danger that our electronic devices bring us in this world. So that's our agenda tonight. You have the phone numbers. I'll repeat them again. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, or 702-430-1808. If I do pause 
during the broadcast, it means I am trying to read the chat room. You can also communicate with me by typing in the chat room. I won't see everything in the chat room because it's hard to do the show and read an active chat at the same time. But I'll try. So if you type something in the chat room and I don't receive it, don't be mad at me. But I will try to read it. So if you hear a little pause, it doesn't mean that uh, it, it doesn't mean that I'm having a brain freeze. It just means that I'm trying to read the chat room because I know a lot of people like commenting that way rather than calling in. And it makes sense because some people either they don't have enough to say to make it worth a whole phone call, and some people just feel more comfortable typing rather than calling in. They're just not used to speaking in a public forum like this, and I understand that. So, let me get started with the Full Tilt Poker claim process failures. Now, I'm going to remind everybody, if you have money on Full Tilt that's stuck, and that has been stuck since Black Friday, if you're an American player, you need to submit a petition to Garden City Group. They're the ones managing the claims for the money that's stuck on Full Tilt. You need to submit this by November 16th. The process is going on right now. So you need to go to FullTiltPokerClaims.com, exactly as it sounds, FullTiltPokerClaims.com. If you received an email giving you uh, logging credentials, like a petition number and some other number, use those, because that will give you the best access to all your info and expedite the process. If you didn't get an email, which I didn't, by the way, then you can submit a new petition, you can also do that through the website. I'm not going to describe how. You can follow the instructions on the website. Uh, you have to do this by November 16th, or you may not ever get your money. Or if you do get your money, it may be extremely delayed. So definitely do this by November 16th. But it's not that simple. When is it ever that simple with the government? Anything the government manages turns into a disaster. You know, people ask me, why are you not for socialized health care? Doesn't everybody deserve a right to health care? And I, I don't like getting political on this show. I know there's a, a wide variety of uh, political viewpoints of the listeners of this show. And something I hate, something I've always hated, is when I'm listening to something or watching something that has nothing to do with politics and the host or, or the entertainer decides to inject his politics into it. And, and if especially if I don't agree with those politics, I hate hearing it. And it's not that I hate hearing the other side, but I, I think politics belong in the forums where people want to hear the discussion. So I don't like bringing up politics on the show very much unless people ask me questions. Uh, but just to quickly say the reason I'm against socialized medicine is I just don't like the government being involved in anything because they screw it up. Because it's incredibly inefficient. Because they're, they're extremely difficult when it comes to making any kind of changes. They're not agile at all. Their processes are, are extremely bureaucratic. There's a lot of waste. They're very slow. They're extremely inefficient. And that's not what you want managing something like healthcare. Now, that doesn't mean our healthcare doesn't need reform. I, I don't agree with all the reforms that have been done here through Obamacare, but I, I don't think the system we have in place right now is good either. I think that uh, it needs a lot of reform. And I'm not going to go into all the reform I think it needs in this in this show. That's not what this show is about. 
But uh, when the government took over Full Tilt, and that's what they did, they, they seized Full Tilt and they said, this is ours now. And the owners of Full Tilt actually agreed to this because they didn't want to go to jail. They didn't want civil penalties against them. I and mean, there were some anyway, but they, they, they were pretty much very afraid at that point, and rightfully so, because not only were they running an illegal poker site, and, and uh, committing all the money laundering that was being done through Sunfirst Bank and, and other sources to uh, get money in and out of the site, but uh, they also stole the money. So they were really in line to get in big trouble, so they surrendered Full Tilt to the government as part of a deal. So the government owned Full Tilt, then they sold it to PokerStars, so currently, as most of you know, PokerStars owns Full Tilt, and part of the money from the sale was earmarked to give back to us, the players, who had money stuck on full tilt that was stolen by Howard Lederer, Ray Bittar, and friends. Which, on the surface, was great. Our money was stolen, and the government pretty much got it back from a different company. Great. So far, so good. But, I knew when they were going to manage the whole return of the money, it was going to be a disaster. Now, I had hopes that maybe it wouldn't be. I had hopes that maybe Full Tilt had good records, maybe they could just easily access everybody's balances and and make a a process that wasn't that difficult to get your money back. I knew it would be slow, but I thought maybe it wouldn't be that difficult. Of course, I was wrong. I was too optimistic. I think I was believing what I wanted to believe. Like, my heart knew this was going to be a disaster, or sorry, my brain knew it was going to be a disaster. My heart was hoping it would not be a disaster. My my heart was hoping that it would just sail on through. And the worst things that would happen would be people would not claim some of the money and the government would keep it and the process would be slow. But no. We're already having a lot of trouble here. And now I'm becoming very pessimistic about the whole thing. Let me tell you some of the things that are happening. On previous shows, I read you a list of categories of people who are not eligible to get refunds from the government. And this included some obvious things. People who currently have criminal or civil charges against them related to Full Tilt, um, Full Tilt Red Pros, things, things like that that you can understand, all right, you know, these people shouldn't get, be getting money. I can understand why Phil Ivey is not eligible for a refund. I can understand why Eric Lindgren can't get a refund. I can especially understand why Howard Lederer cannot get a refund. These things make sense. But then it started to get a little bit strange. They talked about vendors can't get a refund. So if a vendor, someone that provided services to Full Tilt, had nothing to do with anything that happened there, but a vendor that provided services to Full Tilt, uh, that if the vendor did anything, like let's say you had a party in your house and Full Tilt paid you $1,000 for it. According to Garden City Group, you're not eligible to get a refund no matter how much money you have on Full Tilt. You could have a million dollars locked on Full Tilt, you won't be eligible for it because you were at one time a vendor for Full Tilt, which is crazy. By the way, we have Chad Ellie in the chat. And uh, if he'd like to call in, by the way, uh, Chad Ellie is a or was a payment processor for Full Tilt and PokerStars, and uh, you know, happy to have him listening to the show. We had a very good and interesting show with him on on the uh, on Black Friday of Thanksgiving, 
the traditional Black Friday. It was the Black Friday of Black Friday show. And I asked him all kinds of questions about payment processing and his situation. And uh, he answered them. And people really enjoyed the show. So, Chad, if you'd like to call in and comment on any of this, you're welcome to uh, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. And if you just want to listen and just want to hang out in the chat, that's okay, too. It's the first time I've noticed you in the chat. But anyway, then there was the thing about affiliates are not eligible for payments. And people said, well, what does that mean, affiliates? What is an affiliate, according to Garden City Group? Is an affiliate someone who was managing rake back for people? You know, you click on their link to sign up for Full Tilt, and, and they give you the rake back, or they manage your rake back. Or, are they not eligible just because they were managing affiliates? If they had a separate account they're playing poker on, do they not get their money? Well, that's not really fair. But some people are saying, well, maybe that's not what they mean by affiliates. Maybe the government has a different definition for that word. Well, it's starting to look like all of our worst fears, all of our worst nightmares about this are coming true. First of all, I have no idea why this is happening, but let me start from the beginning. A lot of us didn't get our original email from Garden City Group. And it's not because we changed our email addresses. It's just they didn't send us one. This was the email with the login credentials to start the whole process, like a a partially filled out petition that they did for us because they see we have an account on there with money in it. Now, I have an account on Full Tilt with money in it, and yet somehow I did not get the email. And I'm not alone. A ton of people did not get the email. Now, I know some people who did, like China Maniac, who's a frequent co-host of this show. He got the email. But I didn't. A lot of people didn't. Now, you may say, well, maybe you don't remember. Maybe you have a different email on file. No. I've gotten other emails about Full Tilt. Like, I think when they went back online uh, and PokerStars was running them, I believe I got an email from Full Tilt saying, you know, dear whatever my name was on Full Tilt, we're back, you know, pretty much like we're back in business, but we show you're a USA player, so you're not eligible to return, blah, blah, blah. The, The point is they have my email address. They have the right email address. I've received past emails related to Full Tilt after they closed down. And somehow Garden City Group could not get that same email and email me my credentials. But fine. Fine. I'll start a new petition and I'll enter this stuff manually. I'm not that lazy. I remember my screen name. I remember my email. I remember enough to where I can enter this stuff and it will show up. So I did. I entered it all. And uh, I, I went to go look at my balance. It tells you, well, this is the balance we show according to our records. And uh, this is what we're going to pay back to you. This is what you can uh, petition for. And they said my balance was... Zero point zero. That's right. That was my balance. Zero dollars and zero cents, according to Full Tilt, which is totally wrong. And I'm not forgetting. I definitely had money on Full Tilt. <coughs> so What happened? It somehow looked up my account and showed I had zero. Well, I logged into the Full Tilt Poker client. I can still do that, even though I can't play. And again, the Full Tilt cashier said my current balance is... Zero point zero. So somehow my money just disappeared. Again, this is not something that is unusual. A lot of us logged in, and despite having money on Full Tilt... 
on Black Friday, we found that we had zero point zero. So then you, what you have to do, if the amount is wrong, is upload documents to prove that the balance you're asking for is correct. Well, how do you do that? They want to see bank records of deposits. Well, okay, I had some. But how far back? And how do you prove what happened to that money? How do you prove you didn't lose it? How do you prove money that you won? What if I deposited 50 bucks and ran it up to 10000 How do I say, well, here's my records that I kept myself of how I won money. What if I didn't keep any records? So, that's a big mess. Uh, also, what if you were transferred money? Well, that's another problem. You have to have made a deposit in real money on full tilt to get a refund. So if somehow you funded your account through transfers, let's say you got a new account on full tilt, and you're like, I don't feel like depositing, and you go up to some guy you know in the Bellagio, and you go, here, here's $10,000, transfer me ten k on full tilt. And the guy goes and does it. Sounds like a good way to fund your account, right? Well, wrong. Because you're not eligible if you never made a deposit there. Or let's say you won money on a free roll. And ran up your bankroll that way. Never had to deposit. You're not eligible somehow. It gets worse. I mentioned the affiliate thing. Well, it goes beyond apparently just being an affiliate who manages people's rake back. Some people are now being falsely flagged as affiliates when they weren't when they were just receiving rake back, which is pretty much anybody who played actively on there. Some of you might remember an affiliate called This Is The Nuts. It may even still exist. Now, This Is The Nuts was founded by an infamous person in online poker known as Stocks Trader, Nick Grudzian. He was a cheater. He was caught cheating on poker stars in early 2010. He pretty much left the poker world in shame after being caught cheating on poker stars. He was definitely multi-accounting, and uh, he was highly likely to have been colluding. Uh, I never liked the guy very much. I always found him to be arrogant and condescending. I- I've met him in person a few times. I mean, I didn't hate him, but I, I didn't care for him very much, to be honest. And uh, when I found out he was a cheater, it didn't surprise me that much. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is that this rakeback site, This Is The Nuts which a lot of people signed up through, and I think he even sold this off to someone else later. Anyone who is a customer of This Is The Nuts seems to be getting emails from Garden City Group saying the following. Thank you for your email. The following persons are excluded from the remission process and are not eligible for payment from the Full Tilt Poker Fund. And it mentions the different categories that I've mentioned on the show previously. Then it goes on to say, Based on data supplies to us by Full Tilt Poker, you have been identified as an affiliate of Full Tilt Poker and will not be eligible to participate in this remission process. So, number one, this shows that when they say Full Tilt Poker or any of its past or present affiliates, they really mean affiliates as we know them, meaning anyone who ran a rakeback program that they identify as someone who did run a rakeback program through Full Tilt, even a small one, is not eligible to get money back from Full Tilt. So, if you did that, 
And you have a lot of money at full tilt You're probably out of luck But even worse Now they are misidentifying people Who just were customers Of rakeback sites Like this is the nuts And are denying them Now maybe they'll be able to appeal this And get their money anyway This is not final But this is a really bad uh, This is a bad thing that's going on here This is bad news This means that There's a lot of mistakes going on already This means that this is going to be a nightmarish process for some people And maybe some of them will not have a happy ending Maybe the money will all get used up By the time these people can prove That they are not affiliates of uh, Full Tilt Poker Or maybe they don't care Maybe you can appeal it all you want And they say, sorry, this is the data we have This is what we have to go on Tough luck And then good luck ever getting your money at that point You can sue, you can do whatever you want You probably will not win Even if you're totally in the right So this is a big mess And I'm wondering if other people If other people who are You know, received Rakeback Which is pretty much all of us Through affiliates, even if you weren't an affiliate yourself Are going to start getting these emails too If it's not just this is the nuts people If it's a lot of other Customers of affiliates Now, someone brought up in chat About the whole thing with If it can't find your information And tells you that you have zero Can you log into the client and request that uh, spreadsheet to be sent to you of all your real money transactions? The answer is yes. You actually can. And I did that. And supposedly, that will give you a complete real money history from the very beginning of the site, which then you can upload to Garden City Group, and then they will see how much money you really had in your account. However, I requested that, and I have received nothing. I requested that a few days ago. I've got nothing yet. So, if I can't get that, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, I've already actually submitted a petition before I knew you could do that. I submitted it with my deposits and with transfers I got from people trying to show how my balance adds up. But it was pretty hard to do. And I have a feeling they're going to reject it. So, this is looking like a gigantic mess. And this now looks like, to me, a combination of a concerted attempt... To prevent people from claiming their money And Garden City Group just being incompetent With this sort of thing They may be good at uh, these sort of processes In simpler situations But I think they're like a deer in the headlights As far as A situation like this goes You really cannot manage a situation like this Unless you understand Everything about Full Tilt And the way online poker works You have to understand the entire industry And I think they do not And I think that's a big problem. This is a very specialized industry. You have to understand what full tilt affiliates are. You have to understand that affiliates were pretty much like mostly just dudes who said, hey, you know what? I'm going to start my own site, get people to click on this banner to sign up for full tilt, and I'm going to get a percentage of their rake. So it's a way for me to make money. That's pretty much what most affiliates were. There were some really big ones, but there was also some small ones that just uh, said, hey, click on this banner, and, uh, you know, I'll get a little bit of your rake And and that's uh, that's what an affiliate was Some of them were just individual dudes who Whose main income was playing poker And now these people Will not be entitled to any money back From the full tilt fund Which they should get Now I can understand Anyone who had anything to do directly with full tilt Should not be eligible Like people who were receiving distributions every month who owned any piece of Full Tilt If they want to say if you were any percentage of Full Tilt owner 
you can't get any money. I'm totally for that. Those people got enough. Those people don't deserve anything further because they were already paid with stolen money. Even if they didn't know they were being paid with stolen money, they still were paid with stolen money. They should not get any more. I totally agree with that. Red pros, well, no. They should be paid unless they had anything to do with what happened. A red pro who didn't own any piece of the company, they should be paid, especially present red pros who have nothing to do with this. Present red pros are ones signed by poker stars. They have nothing to do with the past red pros. Now, if you want to exclude all past red pros, well, I guess I can kind of understand that case because, again, their benefits they got came from stolen money. Now, I still think they should subtract whatever benefits the red pros got from whatever they're paid. That would make sense. Or maybe make them second priority to get paid out of the fund. But uh, I, I don't think it's fair to exclude them completely if they weren't owners. But it sounds like here that by excluding vendors... And what, how is it a vendor's fault? How is it your fault if you were a vendor at one point, Full Tilt paid you for your services with your account, and you were also a frequent player on that site? How is it your fault that you were a vendor of services to them? Why should you not get paid because they stole your money? It doesn't make sense. Same with affiliates. Why does that make sense? They had nothing to do with what happened. So I'm afraid here that Garden City Group was under instructions from the government to do something like this. I'm also afraid that they're being overly cautious in who they pay. I'm afraid that they're trying to find every single way to link anyone to something to where they cannot get paid. To where the government can say, hey, we paid everyone, but we didn't pay anyone who had anything to do with this. We didn't pay anyone who had ever received any of the stolen money. But that's not fair. It's not fair because some of the people who received the stolen money had nothing to do with the company. They had no idea they were receiving stolen money. And in many cases, they received much less stolen money than they had in their account that got locked up there. It's just not fair. And I think Garden City Group does not understand and I don't get how they could not be emailing these control numbers or login numbers, whatever these petition numbers, how they're not emailing it to everybody. If they have my email address on file, if I know they have my email address on file, if my email is super reliable and I never miss any emails, and you know, why am I not getting anything from them? And how is my balance showing up zero? Where did my balance go? Now, perhaps you can blame it on Full Tilt and say that somehow their records got screwy. Maybe they even did something really crappy on the way out and purged certain records to where maybe Full Tilt has no more records that I ever had money there. And that's something to be scared of, too. Some of our records may be completely gone. We don't know why this is happening. Why do my records show as zero? Why do many people's records show as zero? What if Full Tilt really deleted some of our records for whatever reason? Or what if through incompetence some of the records were lost? What if they show, sorry, we have no record, Todd, that you ever played on this site? And even if I can prove I played on the site, because they don't have the records, I can't prove what is owed to me. Maybe I can prove what I deposited, maybe I can prove what was transferred to me, but for all they know, I could have lost all the money. So, this is very disturbing. I'm starting to wonder if I will ever see my money. I'm starting to wonder if a lot of us will ever see our money. 
Someone suggesting in chat they think that maybe Garden City Group gets some kind of percentage of money that's unclaimed. I hope that's not true. Chad Ellie says in chat, I have one of the best civil forfeiture lawyers going after them. Referring to Garden City and Department of Justice. So, you know, I hope so. Chad Ellie asking, why didn't the government ask for discovery? It's a good question. This is really looking like a mess. This is starting to look like a money grab more than I thought it was. This is starting to look really shady on the part of the government and Garden City Group, and if not shady, extreme incompetence. And by the way, they say they are aware of the 2 plus 2 forums, and they know about the discussion going on there, but are they sending a rep there? Of course not. Of course not. They're very poor communication with the community, too. And this is a, a company that has experience with distributing money to victims of scams, where there's some sort of criminal forfeiture, and then the victims are supposed to get money back. Garden City has handled this before. They haven't handled poker before, but they've handled this before. I think this is a combination of Full Tilt having poor or incomplete or even deleted intentionally records, Garden City Group being incompetent, and the government instructing Garden City Group to be extremely niggardly with their returns. And when I say niggardly, by the way, I'm not trying to be racist here. That's a real word, niggardly. N-I-G-G-A-R-D-L-Y. Look it up. It's the word of the day. So. I'm not very happy about this situation. Not very happy at all. I'm really afraid I'm never going to see my money. I'm really afraid this is the beginning of a nightmare for a lot of full-tilt players who thought the nightmare was almost over. I don't know if any of you have played uh, Wii Golf on the Nintendo Wii. I'm talking about the original Nintendo Wii. They have these sound effects of like a crowd that's watching you play golf. And when you shoot your golf ball and it looks like it's going to go in the hole, rolls really close to the hole, and it just barely either like rolls in and out or just barely misses, the crowd goes, oh, as they think it's going to go into the hole, and it goes, ah, when it rolls past the hole. That's pretty much the way the poker community is starting to feel with this process. Garden City Group says, okay, everybody, time for the petitions for remission. The process is starting, and we're like, oh, and then we log in and find that our balance is actually zero point zero. And we go, ah. And then we find out that affiliates are not eligible. And we say, ah. And we find out that vendors are not eligible. And we say, ah. And we find out that current Red Pros, even ones who signed on long after Black Friday, are not eligible. And we say, ah. And we find out that for some reason a lot of us can't access any of our records from Full Tilt. And we say, ah. What a mess. I knew the government would not do this well, but I had no idea it would be that bad.
Someone says in chat, if I had stage 4 cancer with weeks to live, I would take matters into my own hands. <laughs> I think he's talking about the uh, people like Howard Lederer. Anyway. Pretty bad. The mess gets messier. <coughs> On to the next topic. Lock Poker. I haven't talked about them in a few weeks. Not because they've improved anything, but just because it's been the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to come out here every week and say Lock Poker's not paying anyone because uh, it'll get redundant. It'll get boring to listen to. You, you, it goes without saying if I don't report anything about Lock Poker, everything's the same. I guarantee if things vastly improve there, I will be the first one to announce it. But that's never going to happen. Here's an article from PokerFuse. PokerFuse, they... I really like their news. PokerFuse is really on top of things. And, uh, you know, basically, if something happens in the poker world, they just... uh, They're all over it, and they're not afraid to report on scandals. This is an article from PokerFuse on September 25th, yesterday. Lock Poker allegedly offers expedited cash-outs to high-volume player. One player was promised cash outs every month if he raked 10k a month, according to a report. Lock Poker's withdrawal delays have deterred former players from returning to the site, but one such player has published the conversation where he was offered a preferred cash out policy if he raked 10k a month. The specific question, the specific player in question, released a Skype conversation with Lock's Shane Bridges. Now Shane Bridges is uh, that guy Shane. I'm just Shane from uh, Two Plus Two. He doesn't post there anymore, but uh, he was the rep on 2 plus 2. The player expressed his concerns about withdrawal times and said that he would regularly rake over 6k a month if he could get back to the site. So basically a guy approached Shane and said, hey, I'd like to come back to lock, but I'm afraid you guys don't pay anybody. I- I'm a high raker. I'd probably rake 6k a month or more, but uh, I'm not going to play here if you guys don't pay me, so F it. So... Uh, he says, I, I really don't know how it works, but if, if you sat here and told me I would get uh, one to two cash outs a, one to two cash outs a month if I rake 6k next month, I'm snap putting 5 to 10k on lock. So basically the guy is saying, hey Shane, I'll put 5 to 10k on lock right now. I'll make a big deposit right now, 5,000 to 10,000, if I knew for sure that I could get one or two cash outs every month. So Shane said back, I've been told that with your VIP status and playing history with our site, if you can hit 10k a month, I can guarantee a monthly payout for you. Unbelievable. So this is a site where everyone's been waiting for eternity to get their money, and they are so desperate to get new money on there, and so desperate to get action on there, that now they are bumping people up who are willing to deposit and then rake a ton on there. So he's saying, hey, put money on here, play a whole lot, and screw everyone else on lock. We'll make sure you get taken care of. Screw our other customers who raked a ton in the past. They don't matter anymore. The ones that matter are ones that can give us money now and keep the games going now. That's what Shane's saying. Now, the article goes on to say, it's common for land-based casinos to provide comps and preferential treatment to high-stakes and high-volume players. 
And during the conversation, Shane and the player suggested that a similar rationale could be applied to cash-out policies at Locke. Shane did not respond to PokerFuse's request for comment on whether the poker room has such a policy. Locke's cash-out problems have now continued for over a year, despite repeated promises that all would be fixed within a few weeks. The Revolution Network skin has been graded F by Poker Affiliate Solutions' U.S. Online Poker Payment Processing Report, but players in other countries have fared little better, meaning that uh, they got an F for U.S. players, but uh, players outside the U.S. also can't cash out. The Lock Poker VIG report currently shows players selling their balances for 20 cents on the dollar in order to get access to their money. So that means they're trading it with people and, and t- taking 20 cents on the dollar for trading and getting their money immediately. Not that Lock's cashing anyone out, it's just that uh, people who don't have the time to wait or don't want to risk ever getting their money uh, are taking 20 cents on the dollar from other people they trade with. Any player with special deals that provides short withdrawal times is at an enormous advantage. You know, meaning that they can start trading with everyone and making big cash outs. Now, I don't think Locke's going to let that happen, because remember, the reason Locke is not paying is not because they're actually trying to cheat people, though they are cheating people, don't get me wrong. They just don't have the money. They have already stolen the money, and now they're trying to stall everyone until they can get enough to do the cash outs that are pending. Locke no longer has a sponsored support forum on 2 plus 2. It's created its own private forum for locked players, with posting privileges restricted to players who have raked at least $100. Even then, strict moderation rules reduces the discussion and complaints about withdrawal problems. When they say reduces, they mean they don't let you talk about that. You can't go on the locked poker forum and say, hey, where's my money? They won't let you do that. They'll never put your post up there. So, now, some of you may remember that back in March, Melanie Wisner was, and we we didn't know this until months later, but she was actually taking advantage of the situation, and uh, even though lock money was trading for about 50 cents in the dollar at that point, she was trading for 75 cents a dollar because she was getting priority cash outs as a sponsored pro on there. So she was getting 100% on your money and giving you 75 cents, and people were taking it because it was better than either waiting for cash outs that would never come, or trading 50 cents on the dollar on 2 plus 2. The problem was she was taking advantage of the situation. She was getting an unfair advantage with the cash outs and taking advantage of it and making a 25% profit. Um, she wasn't doing this because she had faith in lock. She was just doing it because they were giving her much faster cash outs. And that was wrong, obviously, especially while promoting lock poker and uh, you know trying to get people to sign up and deposit there, given the situation that nobody's getting paid. Highly unethical. Well, this is highly unethical, too. That they're trying to bribe new players into depositing a lot of money on there and raking a lot and then giving them faster cash outs. Now, I have a feeling that they're not going to make the same offers to people who won't deposit. Because if Locke has no money, you can rake all you want. It doesn't really help them because they need actual money to pay people. If they don't have money to pay people, all that rake does for them is reduce their obligations to how much they have to pay, but it doesn't eliminate them. They still need money to pay their current withdrawals. So, even if you raked 100000 this month, you're not that valuable to them unless you actually deposit. Right now, they badly, badly need deposits. Way more than they need rake, they need deposits. 
In fact, I'm surprised that Shane did not tie the cash out to the amount of deposit, but then that wouldn't make any sense for the player that will only let you deposit what you, you know, cash out what you deposit, then they'll say, well, why bother? You know? So, uh, Shane is trying to sweeten the pot by saying, we'll, we'll offer monthly cash outs if you deposit this much and rake this much. Now, keep in mind, their promises mean crap. What if Shane does not come through with his promise? What will happen? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, because they've broken promise after promise after promise on lock. And what has happened? Absolutely nothing, other than some bad press. So, Shane is probably trying to say whatever this guy wants to hear, but I do believe that they probably will give priority withdrawals to those people, especially especially if they can have word get around, hey, deposit money on lock and play a whole lot, and we'll give you priority to uh, cash outs, and we'll screw everybody else who's been waiting all this time. What a mess. If you know any people who are still playing on lock, tell them not to bother. If you know anybody who's sponsoring lock, who's, who's sponsored by lock and promoting them, tell them stuff like this and see what they have to say. Forum Wars asks in chat, Druff, question for you. If lock has no or very, very little money, why do the pros stay on board? What's the benefit, especially in light of their sullied reputations? That's a good question. And I've thought about that too. Why would any Lock pros stay on board if Lock is broke? Well, I think these pros are staying because it's pretty much a free roll against the community. If these pros jump ship... First of all, if they have money on the site, there goes any chance they have of getting it off any faster. We know from the Melanie Wisner situation that some of them had priority cash-outs. We think they don't have it anymore, but we think they did at one time. We think that they were given the priority cash-outs so they keep towing the the party line here. And uh, once they completely ran out of money, then they couldn't even give those anymore. But why do they stay now if they're not getting paid? Why do they stay if they're not getting their money? Well, because if they leave, they, they don't gain anything. They may gain a little of their reputation back, but they would rather wait, hope that some miracle occurs and Locke recovers, and then they'll be in the good graces of Jennifer Larson and Locke Poker. They'll get their priority cash-outs. They'll get their, their pay paychecks or whatever they were getting before. Basically, they will be rewarded for their loyalty. Whereas if they leave then they get nothing. Then they become a regular player. Then they don't get any kind of special treatment. Here at least they have a chance at special treatment. It's kind of like asking, if you're really sick with cancer, why don't you just take a gun to your head and shoot yourself, since the diagnosis is pretty grim, and you're probably going to die anyway pretty soon? Well, a lot of people will say, I don't want to do that because there's still a small chance I will get cured. There's still a small chance... Maybe they'll come up with something. There's still a small chance maybe some miracle will happen and it will go into remission and I will survive longer. That's why cancer patients fight cancer even with a bad prognosis. Because the alternative, killing yourself, for most people, is not a very attractive option. They always want to have a chance. That's how these locked pros feel. They feel the site has cancer, but they think there's a small chance it gets cured And if it doesn't get cured, they think that they're totally screwed. And many of these people are broke or close to it, 
and they really, really need the money. So a very small chance at getting the money one day, a small increased chance of getting the money, is worth the additional hits their reputations take. Some people asking, do you think Locke is still paying their pros? I imagine they are probably paying them in Locke poker dollars. Some of the pros just have some sort of rakeback deal. Some of them actually are probably getting paid something every month, like the grinder and Annette 15. They're probably getting paid in Locke poker dollars. And they probably know that these Locke poker dollars are not worth anything right now. But they at least can hold out the hope that Lock Poker gets healthy one day. Maybe some other site will come riding in on their white horse and rescue them. And then they'll get paid. Let me put it this way. Let's say you're broke. Let's say you're flat broke. And your Lock account has $100,000 in it. And every month, Lock is dropping more money in there. Would you walk away and stop getting that money dropping in there when you think there's an outside chance that maybe one day you'll get that money? So even though the money you see increasing in your account, or even if it's not increasing, if you think there's a higher chance you'll get paid quickly or with priority if you're a lock pro than if you're not a lock pro and you're broke, do you walk away at that point? Now, if you have a very strong moral fiber, the answer is yes. If you're the typical broke poker degenerate who wants to do anything to stay in action, the answer is definitely no. Anyway. That's the reason they're staying. It's greed. It's greed. It's it's wanting to have an outside chance of getting their money with priority over the rest of us. And not giving a crap of who signs up to the site seeing that they're pros. It's a crappy thing to do. Anything you attach your name to, you're representing. That's, that's why I don't even like this site advertising sites that I don't approve of. I get emails all the time. How much would it be to advertise such and such site on your front page, in your forum, blah, blah, blah. I get these all the time. And I write my response back is the same every time. I want to know about your site. Tell me more about your site. I want to make sure you're a legitimate operation before I let you advertise on my site. Guess what happens? They don't respond. They move on. Because these are usually scam sites. These are usually shady little online casinos that are going to steal your money. I'm not going to let them advertise here. But those are just advertisers. It's even worse to wear the brand to represent a site that is stealing from people. But you know, a lot of people, uh, they find a way to justify it. They say, hey, I'm just wearing clothes. It, uh, it, it doesn't mean that uh, I'm stealing anything. I'm just, I'm just uh, a walking billboard. You know, do you blame Clear Channel, who owns most of the billboards, uh, you know, them and CBS throughout the country? Do you blame them if a scam company advertises on their billboards? No. So, so why blame me for wearing clothing that says Lock Poker on it? It's totally different. But they try to rationalize it that way so they can collect the money. So that's my rant about Lock Poker.
Moving on to the uh, next topic here. Where's my damn agenda? Where is my damn agenda? Well, you know, I was going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but I'll, I'll do it right now. And I'll tell you why I'm doing it right now. Because I, I'm going to play something for you guys to listen to. And I need a little bit of a break. I need to actually go grab some more water. Because <laughs> my throat is really feeling dry. So, uh, I will uh, do this little segment next. Poker News is having a contest to become their next presenter, or junior presenter, they call it. Uh, a presenter is someone who does Poker News videos, pretty much. And, and they're looking for new talent. Usually they like to hire females, especially attractive young females, because that's what a lot of people like to look at, especially dudes. It's mainly dudes who watch poker, and if you're a dude, you probably want to see a pretty girl presenting something or doing interviews rather than seeing some other guy do it. It's just the way uh, TV and media works. So anyway, they, they're having people do open auditions through videos. And a girl named Sarah Albright, who's uh, not known at all in the world of poker. I had no clue who she is. I, I still really don't have any clue who she is. She did a video that's a little bit more than two minutes long. Starts out, I don't know, it starts a little bit annoying, to be honest. Uh, but then, after 45 seconds, breaks into song. She does a song that really reminds me very much in both style and uh, substance, and even the video production quality. So much reminds me of Seriously Serious. Uh, and uh, since he's been a frequent co-host in the past on this show, at least until he took that job at Bluff and couldn't do it anymore because of uh, professional conflicts... Uh, I thought I would play this, and I have a feeling that Seriously Serious is uh, is backing this girl to win. I think I think he's hoping she wins, and I think she's in the lead right now. And you can go to the you can go to Poker News and vote for her if you want. Her name is Sarah Albright. I'll play her little video and song, and uh, give a few comments here. I actually think it's kind of funny, even though there are a number of inside jokes I don't really get. So if you hear some weird things that you kind of makes sense, but don't really make sense. They're inside jokes, from what I've been uh, told by inside sources, so to speak. Here we go. I'm Sarah Albright, and I really love poker. My favorite poker player is Jason Mercier. I'll fetch his coffee any day. I think the best entertainer in poker is seriously serious. One poker player I really admire is Annette Overston. She inspired me to get into shape. How much weight did she lose? A hundred pounds? Wow. I can speak Australian if you need me to. Leah Overton, how do you need Don't I really love to get this position. But if not, it's okay. I can join Team Lion.
So that's Sarah Albright, and uh, cute girl, very young looking. Of course, a lot of people look young to me because I, I'm over 40 now. It's, it's amazing how young everyone's gotten to look. I remember not long ago I would watch baseball, and the players look like they look old. You know, they look like older men to me. Even when I was a young man, the baseball players for the most part looked old. Now they all look young to me. They look like kids. I see Clayton Kershaw pitching. I go, oh, look at that kid. Look how good that kid is. Like, they all look like kids. Even some of them in their 30s look like kids to me. And uh, so people start to look younger as you get to be older. And uh, she definitely looks very young. Uh, She obviously has to be over 21 because they won't hire anyone under 21 at at Poker News. And uh, Seriously Serious seems to be backing her in some way. He's uh, been posting on the site to... uh, you know, the link to go vote for her. So, uh... It doesn't take a genius to understand that, you know, he has some uh, desire to see her win, so to speak. But uh, she looks very, uh... How do I describe it? I, I don't know the word. Maybe perky in the video? Maybe, uh, sprightly? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently this is a parody of some song. I have no idea which song it is. I'm showing my age again. Because I don't know Top 40 music anywhere as well as I used to. Um, I guess some people have tweeted the video to Eric Froelich. Eric Froelich was the only person who was really uh, bashed outright in the video. There may be some people who were kind of... Uh, Bashed in a subtle way there But the only one who was really bashed directly There was Efro for his weight And um, people have tried to tweet it to him But he hasn't responded I can understand, you know I'll say this for Efro He's actually lost some weight uh, He's not thin by any means But he uh, he's dropped a lot of weight Since uh, he won that first bracelet in 2005 You know, the final table where I finished third He has dropped a good deal of weight Obviously he's battled weight his whole life And uh, it, it's tough I, I know this because I have been trying to lose weight this year. And I've dropped 20 pounds, but I, I don't have anywhere near the weight to lose like Efro had. And it's tough when your whole life that you've been uh, extremely overweight to, to try to get back down to normal weight. Um, so I, I can understand why Efro doesn't want to defend uh, you know, himself in that video. And uh, yeah, some people don't like Eric Froelich because he, you know, they say he does a lot of whining on his Twitter and his Facebook, and he does. Eric Froelich does do a lot of whining, but uh, he's actually not a bad guy. I, um, I, I don't mind Eric Froelich. Some people think I'm bitter towards Eric Froelich because he uh, he knocked me out in my first ever tournament, stopped me from winning a bracelet in my first shot. But no, it's just the way the cards fall. I, I never get mad at anyone for beating me in a tournament. It's just the way it goes. So, um, <clears throat> something that's a little bit strange. People are asking, like, what exactly is the uh, ethnicity of this girl, Sarah Albright? She looks a little bit Asian. She looks like mostly white, but a little bit Asian. Someone says she looks Jewish. I see more Asian in her than Jewish. I I think she's like mostly white and a little Asian. That's my guess. But anyway, uh, yes, uh, seriously serious in the chat, identifying himself as uh, hashtag Team Sarah. So uh, that removes all doubt. 
By the way, someone asking, uh, where's Thunder Keller? And has he kept off the weight? Referring to Thomas Keller. Um, He did lose a ton of weight through gastric bypass surgery, but uh, I was told that uh, he replaced his addiction to food with addiction to drugs. So, Thomas Keller has... uh, He's really been in bad shape for quite some time. And that's pretty much where he's been. So, I see a lot more of his brother, Sean. His uh, fraternal twin brother. I see him every World Series, Sean. Thomas, I barely see anything of. I see him occasionally around the World Series, but uh, Sean is much more accessible these days. I don't know if he has a kid. I know he got married, but then I think he got divorced. But, uh, you know... Uh, Thunder Keller, he had a lot of a lot of demons. He had the weight issue. He had the drug addictions. He had uh, gambling problems. He, you know, he was betting just crazy money on sports. And this is a really smart guy. Both Keller kids are really smart. Um, yeah, there were the stories about them skipping grades in school and graduating Stanford really quickly. And I, I don't know the whole story on them, but these are both. Really bright kids who were, you know, who lived life on an advanced academic schedule and succeeded in poker because, you know, if you're smart, then that gives you an advantage in poker. Not all good poker players are really smart, but uh, it helps if you're smart, then you can sometimes uh, overcome a lack uh, a lack of natural talent for poker and use your smarts to become a good poker player. But... Um, he also had a lot of demons. I think he still does. Thunder Keller. And I think a lot of times young players can't really handle everything that uh, the poker world brings to them. I think it really helps to get into the whole poker thing when you're a little bit older. I think it helped me to get into it when I was 29. Now, I, I have a personality type where I think I could have handled it younger, but I, I think it also helped me to be older. So... Anyway, someone wrote in chat, being smart and getting through college young does nothing to resolve the mental maturity issue. Smart or not, most people have no fucking clue about the real world till mid-twenties usually. It's true. That is one problem of skating through everything academically very early, is then you're thrown into the real world, and a lot of times you have a a belief you can handle everything because you're so smart, and you realize you don't have any real-world experience, and uh, you're not street smart at all. And, uh, and and you really destroy yourself in some ways. Team ML Gay demanding a shout-out, or he leaves. I won't give him a shout-out, but I'll acknowledge he said that in chat. China Maniac saying in chat, if I were a pro in 2003, I would be broke right now. So he's someone saying that he definitely benefited by not being pro until he got a little bit older. This is someone who's uh, about, I think, six years younger than me. So 2003, 10 years ago, so he would have been like, you know, mid-20s 10 years ago. So, anyway. That was the Sarah Albright video. And, yeah, good luck to her. If you like that song, if you like Seriously Serious, then vote for her on Poker News. I think she's going to win. I think we might see her next year at the World Series. And if she wins, I hope she at least thanks me for helping promote her on this show. 
Uh, so let me go on here. Someone, by the way, sent me a, a congratulatory note. I, I said I may not be at the World Series next year. Someone sent me a, congratula- a congratulatory note that I'm going to be a father for the second time. And that's not true. There is currently no pregnancy that I am responsible for. My girlfriend's not pregnant. So. Wish I could say it was true, but that's not the truth. That's not not what I was referring to. So, uh, anyway. Moving along on our agenda. The 2013 Poker Hall of Fame nominees have been announced. And uh, basically, the way it works is they announced ten nominees. Six are... Holdovers from last year Four are new And zero to two of them Will be Elected to the Hall of Fame The ones that don't Which will be a minimum of eight May or may not get to move on I'm I'm not sure of the process for that But uh, you won't get any more than two No matter how qualified they are That's just the rule Now here are the Here's the criteria For uh, the voting First of all, to be, even be nominated, you have to be 40 years old or older. Then also, a player must have played poker against acknowledged top competition. You have to have played for high stakes. You have to have played consistently well, gaining the respect of your peers. Stood the test of time, and if you're not a player, contributed to the overall growth and success of the game uh, with indelible, positive, and lasting results. So they can uh, nominate people that weren't necessarily players, but that were uh, very good for the game. So those are the criteria to be voted in. So this isn't just about the best players. It's about uh, other factors as well. So um, here are the names of the people who were nominated this year. Chris Bjorin, Humberto Brenes, David Chu, Thor Hansen, Jennifer Harmon, Mike Matisau, Tom McAvoy, Carlos Mortensen, Scotty Wen, and Huck Seed. Now, I'm not going to read the bios of each of them. It'll take too long. You probably know a lot about each of them. But I'll give you my opinion of each of these ten. And then I'll tell you which two I would vote for. Having to pick from these ten. Now, Chris Bjorn, I have to say no. I wouldn't vote for him. Now, he's been consistent. He's actually racked up big numbers, as overall caches, uh, by playing for a lot of years. I think he has like 6.5 million in, uh, in over, 5.5 million in caches. But, but keep in mind, he has 68 World Series caches, and, and you have to imagine he's been playing a very long time to accumulate 68 World Series caches. Uh, cashed seven times in the main event. He's cashed for 100,000 or more. 19 different years Shows you how long he's been uh, playing And that includes the last 13 consecutive years He has the All-time cash records For Sweden And is World Series of Poker Europe's All-time cash leader as well So why am I against him here? Why don't I, I think we should induct this guy? How many of you have heard of Chris Bijorin? I, I really hadn't this is just someone who's been around for a very long time, been very consistent, does fairly well every year, 
racked up big numbers simply by being around forever. But he's not one of poker's all-time greats. He's not someone that uh, you're going to think of when thinking of great poker players who should be in the Hall of Fame either for uh, their great play or great contributions to the community. He just isn't. He's just a good player who's been around a long time that consistently does well. So does he have my respect? Yeah, but I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Similar circumstance with Humberto Brenes. He's racked up a lot of caches over a long period of time. But he's better known for his personality and that shark nonsense he does than his great play. In fact, there's people who've played with Humberto who have just described him as a nit. Who just says, yeah, he does a lot of talking and a lot of a lot of crap to get your attention to distract you from the fact that he's a super nit. And then he just always has the best hand because he's only playing the best hands. He's only putting his money in when when it's uh you know in obvious good spots. That's what I've heard about his play. And he was actually at my World Series of Poker main event table that I busted from this year on day three. And that's pretty much what I noticed about him too. So um is he a good player? Sure. I'm not gonna say he sucks. I'm not gonna say that uh he's not deserving of respect as far as his tournament play. But uh he's also been around forever, since the eighties. So of course he's gonna accumulate a lot of caches. He has seventy two caches in the World Series. But he's been playing for so many years. Uh, I, I don't really think he's a Hall of Fame guy. I mean, more than Chris Burian, because he's actually... He's been like the the face of Latin American poker, which has been growing over the years. So you can say that he's contributed to poker that way, and if you combine that with his solid record in poker, I could see where you could induct him, but I, I still say no. Next one, David Chu. I have to say yes for this one. I think this one's an obvious nomination. This is a very underrated player. He owns in all kinds of games. He, he's, uh, he holds the Limit Hold'em All-Time World Series of Poker cash title. That means he's cashed the most in, uh, of anybody in Limit Hold'em World Series events. I'm 10th on that list, by the way. But uh, he's number one. But he's not just a Limit Hold'em guy. He has bracelets and stud in stud in 08. Since 1996, he's cashed 7.7 million. David Chu's just kind of always there. He's just always someone who's just quietly doing well. And uh, everybody I've talked to seems to think that he's like a, a first ballot Hall of Famer for uh, for poker. So, uh, yes to David Chu. Thor Hansen, maybe. He's another one whose numbers are inflated by his uh, his long longevity in the game, but uh, he, he's uh, at least was a successful cash player for some time. He wasn't just a tournament guy. That's a it's another problem with guys like Humberto. You know, they didn't play much much or any cash. Thor Hansen was a cash player, especially in the '90s and high stakes. And uh, he was also a relatively a big factor in bringing poker to Northern Europe. They they call him. The uh, the godfather of Northern European poker So um, You know he was really the guy they all looked up to Over there and you know how many Northern European poker players There are now His raw numbers aren't all that great though he, He's been playing since the 80's And only has 2.9 million in caches Which isn't that great for, you know, To be in the Hall of Fame if you've been playing since the 80's 
He may get the cancer sympathy vote. He does have cancer, unfortunately. I'm not trying to say that to put the guy down. I mean, it's really too bad he has cancer. But um, that may actually play into people voting for him because they feel bad for him. And it's not like he's a totally undeserving candidate. You know, he did do a lot for poker in, in Europe, and uh, he has been around a while and, uh, and and was successful in cash in the 90s. Jennifer Harmon is another one I give maybe. I think she may get elected because she's the she's female. She's been known for her ever-presence at high-stakes cash games, but how much does she really win? I don't know. Um, you know, her friends like Daniel DeGrani want you to believe that she's just owning all the cash games and killing everyone, but I've heard conflicting reports. I've heard that she's uh, she may not even be a winner at those. And you say, well, then how is she supporting herself? So she got a lot of money from Full Tilt over the years for being a partial owner. Um, she struggled in tournaments in recent years. In fact, it's actually possible she's a net loser in tournament play overall. On the plus side, uh, when Andy Beal was playing those infamous 100k, 200k nosebleed heads-up games a while back, she was one of the people that he feared playing. So, um, and he, he was a pretty fearless guy as far as poker was concerned. You know, he's so rich. But he was actually, you know, he named her as one of the people that he really didn't like playing. So, and she generally has a good reputation for her cash skill. But I, I, I don't know. For tournaments, I, I don't think that she is one of the better tournament players. She's not a tournament donkey, but she's just she's not a great tournament player, in my opinion. Uh, but um, cash, she does have a good reputation, and she is female. That'll definitely help her. I say maybe on her. Mike Matisau. You know, I I may be a little biased here, because I, I like Mike Matisau, despite all his problems. I, I like him as a person, but... Uh, I say probably with him. Uh, he's had a lot of personal financial problems. This guy is a total degenerate. Uh, a great tournament player. He's final tabled the main event of the World Series twice, including once at the big field in 2005. He's made 13 World Series of Poker final tables overall. He was at five World Poker Tour final tables. Four bracelets. He seems to consistently rebound from all kinds of life problems. Like, you hear all these problems that Mike Mattishow is having, and then he just bounces right back with a big tournament score. It's amazing. Uh, the one knock against him is that he's not that much of a cash game player. Now, I'm hearing that uh, he's actually done pretty well recently at, like, the 300-600 mix, which that might be true. I'm not aware of that, but he might be. Uh, I, I know at No Limit Hold'em, that uh, High Stakes No Limit Hold'em, he was considered uh, one of the fish in the game. I also played him in Limit Hold'em back on Poker Stars. I wasn't that impressed. Uh, but I am impressed with his tournament skill. I think he's a great tournament player, and uh, for that reason, and, you know, he has a lot of caches to his name uh, in, in not that long of a time. I think uh, I think he deserves him. Tom McAvoy? Hell no. Hell no. Now, I'll give this guy credit. What has this guy done other than winning the World Series of Poker main event in 1983 when it had a small field? What has he done since then? Nothing. He has parlayed a 30-year-old main event win, something much easier to do, much, much, much easier to do than today, into a promotional career that has made him a lot of money. He was one of the early phases of Poker Stars. He, he does training all over the place. He writes columns. I mean, 
This guy supports himself with all kinds of promotional things he does, all kinds of uh, educational videos for poker, books he writes, all because he won the main event 30 years ago and has really done nothing since. He's a great self-promoter. But despite that, he's actually admitted at times that he's really not relevant today. He once wrote an article in Card Player saying that he felt overmatched by the invasion of the young poker players, the young aggressive, young aggressive poker players of the 2000s. And, and his results show it. I mean, he's just someone who is not dominating at the table at all. And he hasn't done a lot for poker either. He's done a lot to promote himself. He's done a great job at supporting himself off of one thing he did 30 years ago. I'll give him that. But he hasn't done a lot for the game of poker. Is he a bad guy? No. I haven't heard of any scandals involving Tom McAvoy. I haven't heard anything bad about him personally. He's a good self-promoter. He seems like an okay guy. I admire what he's stretched his 1983 win into. But not the Poker Hall of Fame. Carlos Mortensen. This is an interesting one. I give a maybe for him. Now, this guy has some big hits at the World Series of Poker and World Poker Tour. He's racked up over $11.5 million in cashes. Some people say that he hasn't even entered all that many tournaments compared to the rest of the people on this list, making the $11.5 million that much more impressive. Though I'm not sure if that's true. It seems to me like he enters a lot, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But he is non-existent at cash games. And for some reason, I heard he was broke last year. I heard he was broke or close to it. And if he's hardly en- entering any tournaments and not obviously not incurring the expenses there, and he has $11.5 million in cashes, then he should have had a big profit. Where'd all the money go? I guess he could have degened it away in the pits or, or sports betting or whatever, but maybe he lost it in cash, or maybe uh, maybe he really did enter a lot more tournaments than people think. I'm not sure. But uh, he only has 27 World Series of Poker caches, which, you know, it's more than I have. I have like 16, I think. But uh, I don't think I'm Hall of Fame worthy in the World Series or for, you know, for poker. Him, I don't know. Uh, I think he would not have gotten this nomination if he didn't finish 10th in this year's main event. Prior to uh, this year's 10th place finish, some people were starting to forget about him. Scotty Wynn. Yes. I don't like the guy personally. I think he was uh, highly inappropriate in that uh, tournament he won where he was drunk recently. Uh, But he does have a lot of accomplishments, uh, plenty of poker fame, big face of poker, a lot of fans. He is considered one of the greats of the game, at least from a tournament standpoint. Um, He does have results to back it up. You have to let Scotty win, and I say yes. Huck Seed, interesting one. He was considered one of the hottest up-and-comers in poker in the 90s and early 2000s. But uh, pretty much since then, he's hit a wall and has generally been regarded as a has-been over the past decade. Now, what's misleading, if you look at his Hendon Mob results, Hendon Mob is a database of people's tournament results, um, you'll see a number of big years he had from like 2008 through 2011. That's misleading because these were all invitational events. And he won a lot of money in those, but it's just not... I, you can't really count those. You should really only be counting open events where anyone can enter. Invitational events, I mean, that's, that's BS. 
show you how individual events can be crap. Um, I, I could have an inv- invitational event with me, my dad, and my brother. The uh, Wittellis Invitational Poker event. Uh, we could each put up a million dollars. I can beat them both. I can name it as a three million dollar cash and pad my resume big time. Now, of course, you could say that wouldn't be an act- official sanctioned event, but you know, let's say I found some rinky dink casino in uh, St. Kitts or something to hold this event, and if I pay them some commission for it. I mean, it could be in some way an official event, but it'd be an invitational event, and I I couldn't claim that as a three million dollar cash, but uh, you know, according to my hand and mob results, that was what it would show. So, I think people should really only be counting the open events that people are cashing in, and furthermore, you have to put an asterisk next to any events that are really really high buy-in, like fifty k or more. And this is because when you Min cash in these It really pads your results Like a 50k event Sometimes the min cash is 100k So all you have to do is enter a 50k event Min cash And for the year now you've cashed 100k But really all you've done is min cash I mean really what have you accomplished That year other than min cash once So since we don't have a list Of all the events people entered Since we can't compare Total caches with Total buy-ins Which would be very helpful We can't even tell who's a winner or loser So somebody could have like 7 million in caches And still be a loser on the tournament scene If they played enough So uh, The ones who are entering the really big buy-in events You have to be careful When counting up their total caches Because those give people a big advantage To uh, Quickly rack up Big cash numbers And if you're deep pocketed To enter all these events Then you are going to accumulate a lot of cash Without being that great Here's an example uh, Dan Shack. He's a hedge fund manager He's super rich uh, He's not one of poker's greats He's just a really rich guy Who can afford to play all the huge events So even if he finishes with a huge Lifetime cash total When it's all said and done That doesn't mean he should be in the Hall of Fame just means he had a lot of money to throw at it So if I had to pick two I would pick David Chu And Scotty Wynn My third choice If I had to make a third choice Would be Mike Matisau My fourth choice Carlos Mortensen And that's pretty much Who I would vote for if I, I would let those four in I think Really not any of those other six Definitely Chu and, and Wynn though I think they both deserve it even though I, I don't really like Scotty as a person, that that shouldn't take away his, you know, induction to the Hall of Fame. I, I think that cheaters shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, I haven't heard of Scotty Wen cheating. So, um, someone asking in the chat, does the Hendon Mob include poker fraud alert free roll caches? It doesn't, but it should. <coughs> All right. Moving along. Let's talk about uh, the future of online poker in California and New Jersey. I got some inside information 
regarding these two states. Now, of course, we already have legalized online poker in Nevada. Currently, two sites, Ultimate Poker and WSOP.com, are serving the state of Nevada. But no other state right now is offering legalized online poker. But uh, let me uh, give you some inside information that I received regarding California and New Jersey and their chance of getting online poker. Now, of course, New Jersey, they're already working toward doing that. But what some of you don't know is there's a universal launch date that has been set for all New Jersey rooms. So none get a first-to-market edge over the others. That's different than Nevada, where Ultimate Poker just popped up first. Then WSOP.com recently just went up, and then others will go up in the future. New Jersey doesn't want that. New Jersey wants everybody to start at the same time. That's not to say others can't start later, but uh, the ones that initially want to launch, even if they're ready today, have to wait until November 23rd. It's unknown how many rooms will launch on November 23rd, but none will launch before that. That is what the state of New Jersey is demanding. Now, New Jersey and Nevada are trying to cooperate with one another. It is likely that, barring some interference by federal authorities, that cooperation with Nevada will follow sometime in 2014. When in 2014 is not known, but that is the rumor that sometime in 2014, Nevada and New Jersey players will be able to play together at the same table. A little more news regarding New Jersey. Caesars is uh, doing something really strange with a win. This is so odd. Uh, this news was brought to us by uh, Lawn Cigar. Win Resorts plans to run its online gaming business in New Jersey from the property of Caesars Entertainment, according to a person with knowledge of the situation. Wynn does not own a casino in New Jersey, which is a requirement in order to get a license to run an online room there, and they will use computers at a Caesars hotel in Atlantic City, said the person, who sought anonymity because the arrangement hasn't been announced yet. The person didn't provide other terms. Both companies are working with 88 Holdings, one of Europe's largest online gambling operators. The accord gives Wynn a physical presence in the New Jersey casino for its computer hardware, a requirement set by the state to help its struggling casino industry. So this is really weird that um, they they actually are going to be running a win poker room online in New Jersey using a Caesars hotel. And then the arrangement between Caesars and 888, because you know, Caesars is using 888 for their software, isn't exclusive, said Seth Polanski, who's a spokesman for Caesars in the World Series. Uh, Also, Wynn and Caesars are competing for the sole casino license to be awarded in the Boston area next year. So they're competing over there for Boston. Uh, They're rivals in Las Vegas, of course, where uh, Wynn and Caesars are competing for for the high roller action. But yet they're actually cooperating in New Jersey. It says, while New Jersey requires that the computer hardware used to run online gaming in the state be located in Atlantic City Casino, property owners are free to house equipment for many providers. So, um, they said, this is what uh, David Rebuck of uh, New Jersey's Division of Gaming Enforcement said. On one side of the room, ABC Company can have its server. Next to it can be a server for another company, he said. 
So basically, um, you have to have a physical presence in New Jersey to run one of these online rooms, but uh, you can actually run an online room for another company. You can actually kind of lease space from them. And uh, let's see, we have a call coming in from Beer and Poker. Uh, he may want to add to this. Uh, what would you like to say? I actually just had a question for you, Jeff. Yes. Um, I was reading some articles. I don't remember where I read them or whatever, but, but they're kind of talking about how uh, the market might already be oversaturated in Nevada. How many sites do you think that Nevada can, or in other states, like some of the smaller states could really have? You bring up a good point. Um, yes, I, I felt that Nevada's poker scene, their online poker scene, was going to be a complete failure unless they got to cooperate with other states. Uh, there just are not that many people who want to play online poker consistently in Nevada because, uh, number one, they have all kinds of live options. Uh, number two, tourists don't want to come and sit in their hotel room and play online poker. They, you know, maybe during the World Series they do, but you know, you come to Vegas for a weekend, you don't say, "Well, wow, I'm in Vegas, I'm going to sit in a hotel and play online poker all day." You know, you're, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to want to go out. Uh, so that's what you know, most tourists aren't going to play there. So you've got mainly locals, and Nevada is not a big state. It's a very small state population-wise. And you're right. I, you know, from what I'm hearing, there's just not that much activity on either Ultimate Poker or WSOP.com. And there's only two running right now. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was looking at some of the traffic on Poker Scout. And I know some of these sites are, for the most part, kind of a fail at the moment. And it's a lot of the own problems, ha- you know, getting stuff going. But the traffic doesn't seem to ever be, you know, improving that much. Yes. I noticed Ultimate Poker in all the uh, months they had as a head start, they, they plateaued very early. They, they really, you know, they had their initial burst of traffic, and then it just kind of stayed around the same for months. It didn't improve, and it was never that impressive to begin with. So uh, now there's a second room, WSOP.com, and I, yeah, I think there's a very limited pool of players. They need cooperation. I think that, you know, New Jersey, they're a much bigger state population-wise. They're no, they're no California, but they're still a lot bigger than New Jersey, than Nevada population-wise, and they, they need something like that, or it's just not going to work there. Yeah, I was just curious what you thought about that. Yeah, so that's, uh, I mean, I, I agree with you, what you just brought up. So. All right, well, uh, thanks for your call. Yep, see ya. So Beer and Poker, he has uh, done co-hosting with me before here, and I thank him for his call. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure what's going to happen here if uh, Caesars is going to run WSOP.com New Jersey and then let Win. Run one two to compete with them, and that's kind of strange to allow them in there to compete with themselves. But maybe the rent that Win is paying them is worth it. All right, against my better judgment, I'm going to take this call here before I tell you the uh, the California inside information. TMML Gay, hello. Good afternoon. All right, now I I let this call through because you you do have a, a small but uh, vocal fan base here, and I, I don't want to take away from them what they demand. But uh, well. You know, the problem I have with you tonight is this. Uh-oh. You're a hypocrite, and you have double standards. Ah, oh, jeez. What is it? Like, you're knocking Tom McAvoy, mm-hmm. but yet you brag about winning a Lidman Hold'em World Series event, and you preach on it to everybody, saying how you're an excellent uh, Lidman Hold'em player, and you even have radios about it. So don't be a hypocrite. Well, okay. I've never said that I belong in the Poker Hall of Fame, because I don't. 
Now, if they had a Limit Hold'em Hall of Fame, well, then I might, because I, I'm the 10th all-time winning World Series of Poker uh yeah, limit hold'em player, and I've been a winning limit hold'em player for a long time. There, there aren't that many top limit hold'em players out there. We're a, a fairly small group, so uh, you know, I, I think that uh, in that I might have an argument. Uh, but, but overall, for poker, no, I haven't accomplished much. So that, that's what I'm saying here. Like, uh, I'm not saying because I won a bracelet in 2005 that I deserve the Poker Hall of Fame. I think that I Tom McAvoy does not deserve the Poker Hall of Fame. I understand, but you shouldn't knock people when you're in the same situation as they are. I'm not knocking him. I, a lot of these people I said don't deserve the Hall of Fame. I said plenty of good things about them, including Tom McAvoy. And I notice none of these people I said are donkeys or or, or anything like that. Or, or you know, I, I didn't even criticize any of these people from a personal standpoint. I just said they're not Hall of Famers. Just like there are players in baseball that I think were very good players that just aren't Hall of Fame caliber. Well, I'm just saying that I think you're a hypocrite, so. All right. Uh, anything that's, else you'd like uh, to say? That's a scoop. Like. All right. Thank you. All right. That's the uh, the TMML gay uh, two minutes here for this show. Thank you for your call. So let me tell you the inside information I have from California, and this is actually uh, less known. The, the other stuff I just said is, you know, wasn't really that much of a secret. The November 23rd thing, the... Uh, the win and Caesars thing. That is not as much as a secret as this. This is something that was I'm about to reveal isn't well known. That's about California. California has the biggest population in the nation by a wide margin. About one in every eight Americans are from California. So about an eighth of the population of the United States are in California. That's a, a big population. Uh, California is, you know, they only have Indian casinos. Now, there are poker rooms that are not owned by Indian casinos, but as far as uh, casinos themselves, it's uh, Indian tribes. And then there's, you know, poker rooms like Commerce and the Bicycle Club and Bay 101. Um, California has a lot of financial problems and definitely would benefit from money that could be reaped from these online poker rooms. Unfortunately, the Indian tribes which would be very influential in this process, are split right now whether or not they want legalized online poker. Some are for it, some are against it, but they will have to be generally in agreement in order for this to go through. If they're fighting with one another about it, if they're split down the middle, it's not going to happen. There has to be more of a consensus before this will occur. But there's more information I've heard about California. Now, I've mentioned before that Nevada kind of wants to be the leader. They want to be the hub. They want to run the rooms. They want to do all the regulations. And they want the other states to join their network, to kind of join the Nevada network. That's what New Jersey's going to do, or hopes to do next year. Well, California says, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want to do that. We're not joining your network. Why? Because we're a big state, we've got a huge population, you've got a tiny population, so screw you. We have all the influence, we have the population, we have the large player pool, so you are not going to run the show, Nevada. We are not going to be a skin of your poker room. (coughs) And if you think about it, that's what Nevada wants to be. They want to be the network, and they want everyone else to be the skins. The network is the one that provides the games. 
the network takes a piece of every rake taken from every player, no matter what state they're in, and the skins are just connecting to the to the network and providing players and keeping a piece of the rake, but the network is really the one running everything. That's what Nevada wants to be. They want to be the network. And some other states might be okay with that. It's easier not to be the network. It's easier to just join in and let Nevada do all the work. Nevada says we should do all the work because we're the ones who have the most experience with gaming regulation. Though I can tell you that Nevada is already showing their inexperience with online gaming regulation. They've, they've just done some really cringeworthy things already that I wish I could share with you. But I can't because I was told in confidence about some of these matters. But uh, Nevada is not exactly doing a good job thus far. But that aside, California says, I don't care how good of a job you can do. We can do it too. And we should be the network. We should be the hub. We should be the ones who keep all the rake for ourselves. And we should be the ones keeping a piece of other states' rakes because we are pretty much going to be the center of this whole thing if we ever decide to do it. Because we have the population. We open a room in California, it's going to be huge. We're not going to have that problem that Beer and Poker just talked about where the games are dead. We're going to have thriving games because we have a huge population and a lot of people love to play poker in California. We have a lot of people in L.A. who love poker. We have people in San Diego who love poker. We have people in the Bay Area who love poker. So we don't just have a big population. We have a poker-loving population that also happens to be huge. Therefore, we're going to have the huge, dominant room. We don't even need other states. We can do just fine on our own. So if you don't want to join us, F you. But what we want to do, California, we want to keep our whole rake, they say. So don't expect to play WSOP.com in California anytime soon, unless it's entirely managed by California or California only. But don't expect to play against Nevada and New Jersey residents in California. They just don't want to join in. They feel that they, they're they too good. They feel they're too big. They feel they're too influential. They say, if we decide to enter, we're going to be the leaders. We're not going to be the followers. So, I don't like hearing that because this will put a damper on the eventual step toward federal legalization and regulation. The way I saw it happening, and still see it happening, is you get enough staterooms cooperating, and eventually the federal government will say, fine, fine, fine. States are cooperating with one another anyway, and it's going all right. Fine, it's legal now everywhere. And states can opt out of it if they want. That will be the path to national legalization of online poker in the United States. But not if you have states like California that say, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, our way or the highway, we're running the show or get out. And I'm afraid we're going to have a battle in the coming years between California with their population and saying, hey, we can provide active games, and Nevada with their claim that they know gaming regulations better. But you know what? I think California will win. Because if you had a poker room, if you if you want to join this legalized online poker thing and want to join a network, do you want to join the active one in California and make a lot of rake that way? Or do you want to join the dead one in Nevada and make much less rake? I think I know which states will want to opt with. And I don't think Nevada's gaming experience will be enough to have states want to suffer the lesser rake. 
So I think if California does enter this market, they're going to win, and they will be the leaders. But don't expect to see it soon, unfortunately. I think I'm about to ban TMML Gay from the chat. He's uh, he's going nuts in there because I hung up on him. You know what this reminds me of? Um, my son Benjamin, and notice this TMML Gay, I'm comparing you to a two-year-old. He likes to pretend he's driving my car. He likes to say I'm driving away. He likes to sit in the driver's seat of the car, of course with the car being turned off, uh, and pretend he's driving. The problem with letting him do this, even though he enjoys it immensely, is that no amount of time driving is enough for him. Whether you let him do it for two minutes or half an hour, the second you tell him it's done and take him back inside, he cries and gets really angry. To where you just don't want to let him do it at all in the first place, because you know no matter how much time you give him with this pretend driving, he's going to cry at the end and be pissed off. But I forgive that because he's a two-year-old. That's the way two-year-olds act. Team MLG is the same way. You let him on the show, no matter how much time you give him, once you hang up on him, then he gets bitter about it. Makes you just not want to answer his calls. He does have a supporter in the uh, chat room. Uh, C Money, who's given a lot of money to this site for the free roll, says, I have only logged into chat to say that banning Team MLK is God, and banging or hanging up on him is a great sin and should never happen. I don't understand. He's saying that banning him is God, which means it's good, but then banning or hanging up on him is a great sin and should never happen. Alright. Team MLK threatening to, to leave the site, but uh, don't think that's going to happen. All right, moving along here to our our next uh, item on the agenda. An agenda that, uh, in in all this uh, commotion, I've accidentally closed. So uh, just give me a moment to reopen it. I know, it's amateur hour. Don't remind me. At least this one is archiving. At least you can give me that much. All right, next on the agenda. A man uses invisible ink to cheat at cards. Not poker. But don't feel safe just yet. Going to read you a little article here about this. The man arrested September 15th Bruce Bruce Koloshi 54 was the subject of the security bulletin issued two weeks earlier by officials in Louisiana. He had cheating convictions in Iowa and Nevada and was facing charges in Louisiana that he marked cards last month at the Le Bourge Casino in Baton Rouge. After the surveillance officer spotted him, Koloshi was seen moving his hands away from the Mississippi stud poker table. This is not a traditional poker table, it's a casino game. Allegedly for the marking substance and cameras detected that the ink wasn't visible to the naked eye. Koloshi wore special contact lenses to see the inks, authorities said. He was arrested and charged with cheating, conspiracy to commit larceny, and being a fugitive from justice. His bond was set at $300,000. 
When he was questioned in Louisiana, he surrendered 3,300 in winnings, though authorities did not have enough evidence to charge him at the time, according to to Captain Doug Kane, a spokesman for Louisiana State Police. Mohegan Sun officials said Koloshi was arrested at their casino before winning a significant amount. So uh, this arrest actually uh, occurred at uh, the Mohegan Sun, which is uh, in uh, Connecticut, I believe. But um, he was already in trouble for doing the same thing in Louisiana. They just didn't charge him. They just took away his winnings. And uh, he was already uh, in trouble for the same thing in Nevada. And and also Iowa. For marking cards. I'm not sure if it was the same invisible ink. But basically what he would do is he would uh, reach down. He had some kind of invisible ink hidden somewhere, probably in his pocket or whatever. Touch the invisible ink, wipe it on the cards. Nobody could see the invisible ink except him, because he had special contact lenses on that were probably tinted in some way, to where he could see the ink and nobody else could. And then he could tell you know which cards were which. This was how he cheated at a casino game called Mississippi Stud. Uh, the reason this is concerning, you may say, oh good, he was caught, so that shows the system works. <coughs> it shows that uh, you try to cheat with this invisible ink, they're going to catch you. So we should feel safe when we play poker, right? No. Casino games are very closely watched by the eye in the sky, especially when someone is winning. They expect you to lose at casinos. When you go on a winning streak, they really watch you closely. I don't mean if you're at the $3 table winning, but I mean you're winning any significant sum of money. They start to really watch you. They want to make sure you're not cheating in any way. They want to make sure you're not in cahoots with the dealer. They want to make sure that you're not using electronic devices to cheat. They want to make sure that you're not doing anything else that might be illegal to cheat. They even want to make sure you're not counting cards in blackjack, which isn't illegal, but uh, against the house rules. So... They were watching this guy closely, and they caught him. They watched him like move his hand out of view, then touch the cards, and it, you know they could see something weird was going on. And then they they figured he must be marking it with some sort of invisible ink, and they figured everything out. Especially once they found out who he was and that he was already convicted for cheating elsewhere, they put two and two together and figured out the guy was cheating. Great, but do you think they're watching your poker table with the same zeal? Do you think anyone is watching your poker table from the eye in the sky? The answer is no. They have cameras on the poker tables, but the cameras are used to refer to afterwards. If there's a dispute, then they can check the cameras. There is nobody watching that you're not being cheated in poker. Basically, any cheating in poker that's going on has to be caught by the players or the dealers or maybe the floormen, not by... There's never any eye in the sky that comes down and pulls away cheaters. So, if people like this Bruce Koloshi are playing poker, they can easily mark the cards. And, you know, they don't check the, change the decks very often in poker, so it's easy to do. So, for example, all this guy has to do is mark four aces, or mark uh, four aces and mark four kings differently. He can see all the aces and kings in the deck. He can look at every single hand on the table and see who has aces and kings. So, the guy sees two ace markings... He can tell you have pocket aces. He can play you perfectly like a super user. He can see when you have ace-king. He can see when you have pocket kings. He can even mark the queens differently. He can he can eventually see all of your cards. Or at least all the meaningful cards. This guy could kill you in a poker game, even if he's a crappy player. And guess what? 
unless you're really watching them closely, you'll never figure it out. This is, will be a very hard one to catch. Because people have to touch their cards all the time in poker. And, yeah, if you were told, hey, this guy is marking cards, you could watch him and catch him. But if you have no clue this is going on, you wouldn't catch it. I can admit I wouldn't catch it if I had no reason to suspect it. I just think, wow, this guy's a great player. Wow, this guy uh, this guy can always seem to read me. Especially if he doesn't make any crazy plays that you just can't explain. So it starts to make you wonder, has this been done before at poker and is never caught? Well, Bukowski72 reported in the same thread on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum on Poker Fraud Alert that this has been alleged before. That um, there was a guy named Marty Carson who came into the Bellagio once and threw, quote, cobalt blue glasses on the table. And that Howard Lederer, of all people, was backing him. And uh, even though Marty Carson was uh, doing very well at the time, um, that uh, Howard stopped backing him once he saw this happen, that he realized the guy was a cheater. Which is kind of ironic, given that Howard Lederer ended up being a thief himself. But uh, anyway, that was the story. Uh, Who knows if it's true. But that supposedly this Marty Carson had cobalt blue lenses on uh, that he was using to uh, see some kind of invisible substance that he marked the cards with. So who knows how much this has been going on, especially if people are using contact lenses instead of blue glasses that you can easily uh, you know, deduce that's what they're doing. Someone has contact lenses in that are well disguised. You're never going to know this. Scary stuff. So, for those of you that think cheating only goes on online, be careful. could be happening live, too, in ways you'd never even dream of. So, uh, our last subject, and I don't know if I'm going to be on here till 10 p.m. to uh, make the call to Barcelona Arts, so to be honest, uh, this broadcast has been a bit of a struggle for me because of... uh, the cold I have in my throat, uh, even though I grabbed some water while I was playing that song. I've, I've been trying to take drinks in between subjects, but uh, it, it's been hurting. Not sure if I can stretch this till 10. Um, some of you know and some of you don't know, I was part of the 1980s hacker community. And yeah, some of the stuff I was involved with I wouldn't do today. You know, both for legal reasons and for moral reasons, but uh, you know, I never did anything that bad. But uh, I was part of the hacker community then, more more out of curiosity, and I, I liked the whole social aspect of it more than anything else. Um, but uh, hacking stories interest me, especially because computer science was my major in college, and you know, software was my profession before I uh, became a, a poker player. And um, something that fascinates me is information. I think that's a lot of what attracted me first to the hacking world. People don't realize how much information is out there. People don't realize how much of their lives is increasingly available for scrutiny by the public, by people you wouldn't want scrutinizing it. 
Also with information, I like to say, once information is out there, it's very hard to take back. Um, Many years ago, I had a girlfriend who listed everything about herself in the phone book. You could look her up, you could get her address, her phone number, everything. Uh, When she moved in with me, I told her I did not want her doing that. I said, people will know, know you're my girlfriend, they'll look you up, and they'll be able to get my address and phone number. I don't want that. And she, she thought I was being paranoid. She got mad at me. We had a big fight about it. She, she very reluctantly relented to not list herself and to use a P.O. box for her mail and stuff like that. Well, lo and behold, just a few months after she moved in with me, she had an incident at work where a client got mad at her and started to threaten her. And this client, in fact, a female client, told her psychologist that she was going to kill her. So, death threats were made indirectly through this woman psychologist against my then-girlfriend, who at that point was thrilled that she had moved in with me and had followed my, I shouldn't say advice, but demands that she doesn't list herself living with me. She said had she listed herself, she would have been terrified every night because this woman seemed crazy and she was afraid that she would kill her at any time. Now, this woman, who wasn't very resourceful otherwise, had no way to find her. I said to her then, this is evidence that once information is out there, you can't take it back. Once you've put your address in the phone book, unless you move, it's out there. You can't say, okay, now I want my address out of the phone book. It doesn't work that way. Well, with social networking like Facebook and MySpace, with increasingly sophisticated devices like laptops and smartphones, more and more of our lives are online and more and more of our lives are able to be intruded upon through these online means if the security is not good. And yeah, let me tell you the old days. Yeah, there was a lot less you could do. For example, in the 1980s, if I wanted to find information about people, I might be able to access their phone records where I could see who they've been calling, especially if they've been calling them long distance. I might be able to hack their answering machine and listen to the messages they've gotten. But I'm not going to be able to look at pictures of them. I'm not going to be able to uh, look at cameras in their house. I'm not going to be able to see uh, you know, very well how you know their spending habits and their credit cards. I'm not going to get to see all the places they're, they've been. But people are voluntarily providing this information through social media sites like Facebook. Um, increasing online presence of banking records makes it easy to see people's credit card records through hacking. And smartphones are getting less and less secure, as are laptops. And there's many more ways to intrude upon people's privacy. Some of you might watch the show Person of Interest. I actually enjoy that show. It just started again for its uh, third season. Uh, Of course, just like any fictional dramatic show you see on TV, a lot of it is far-fetched. A lot of it is made way too simple for what it actually is. the uh, One of the good guys in this show, um, Finch, he, he's the hacker. He can pretty much break into any system at will and, and pretty much access everything that anyone ever has ever put online and do it instantly. 
That's not realistic. But what's interesting is the show actually has some basis in fact. Uh, the show involved accessing cameras like you know that, that were on traffic lights or, or other cameras that were just placed around for security by various businesses. You know, people watch this and say that can't really be done. Oh, yes, it can. It turned out there is a search engine called Shodan that you can search for these sorts of things for cameras or other devices out in public that are not locked down that you can access and that you can uh, watch or control. Uh, of course, we have all the NSA stuff that was revealed by Edward Snowden. Of course, we have uh, the smartphone hacking is in now, similar to what we've seen on Person of Interest. We have webcam hackings. And when I say webcam hackings, I don't necessarily mean that you voluntarily turn on your webcam and someone views it without your permission. When I looked at my girlfriend's computer, I noticed she had a little paper taped over the top of it. And I said, what's this for? She said, oh, I I taped a paper over the camera just in case. At first I thought that was kind of paranoid of her. But it turned out she did the right thing. Her computer had a built-in webcam she didn't want anyone accessing and it's spying on her. Well, it turns out that's not something that uh, is far-fetched. Let me read you this story that was just on CNN today. A college student was arrested Thursday for allegedly hijacking the webcams of young women, among them reigning Miss Teen USA, Cassidy Wolf, taking nude images and then blackmailing his victims to send him more explicit material or else be exposed. Now, keep in mind, this is different than hacking someone's phone and grabbing nude pictures they took of themselves. What it seems like happened here was that, um, you know, this woman uh, or girl, Cassidy Wolf, had her computer in her room. And, uh, you know, she gets undressed in her room like anybody does. You know, I'm sure all of us have been naked in our bedrooms. Um, You know, she's a young girl. She probably has her computer in the same room as where she sleeps. Has it facing her, provided the curtains are closed. She has no problem taking off her clothes, thinking that nobody can watch her. Well, little did she know that Jared James Abrahams, a 19-year-old computer science student from Temecula, California, was watching her. He found a way to hack her computer and turn on her webcam and watch her in her own room when she thinks that she is in complete privacy. So he would see her getting undressed, take these naked pictures of her, and then he would demand, I want you to take more nude pictures for me, but in addition to being nude, do you know whatever sexual stuff that I want to see, or otherwise I'm going to distribute your nude pictures. That's basically what he did. Um, he surrendered on Thursday to the FBI on federal extortion charges. Authorities say he victimized young women surreptitiously by taking control of their computers, then photographing them as they changed out of their clothes. Abrahams appeared in court later in the day and then was released on an intensive pretrial supervision and home detention with electronic monitoring after his parents signed bond agreements totaling $50,000. FBI spokeswoman Lourdes Orocho said 
that the judge ruled that he could use a single desktop computer at his parents' home for school only, albeit only after monitoring software is applied. I think that's a mistake because anyone who's good enough to uh, do what he did there, I'm sure, can get around uh, monitoring software. When he admitted what he'd done in June, Abraham said he had 30 to 40, quote, slave computers or other people with electronic devices he controlled and had as many as 150 total, according to a criminal complaint. His arrest came six months after a teenager identified in court documents as CW, that's a different guy, alerted authorities, or sorry, that, I guess that was her, that wasn't a different guy, that was, you know, she alerted authorities. Uh, she has since publicly identified herself as Cassidy Wolf, the recently crowned Miss Teen USA. She touted news reports of her alleged tormentor's arrest on her Twitter feed. At the time she contacted police in March, Wolf was not a national figure, even though she was Miss Teen California and lived in an apartment and, cont- and attended Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa. Uh, Wolf got a Facebook alert that someone had tried to change her password to the, so- to the social networking site, though noticed other passwords had been changed and that her Twitter avatar was now a half-nude picture of herself. So that was ca- kind of him showing that he got her pictures. A short time later... She received what would be the first of many messages, this one featuring pictures of Wolf at her Riverside County address and others apparently taken months earlier when she lived in Orange County, says the criminal complaint. The message explained, quote, what's going to happen if Wolf didn't send pictures or videos or, quote, do what I tell you to do in a five-minute Skype video conference, according to the criminal complaint. So basically this scumbag here accessed these pictures of the girl changing, got nude pictures of her that way, and then demanded that she do a five-minute cam session for him on Skype and follow his instructions, otherwise he would release the complaints. His threat went on to say, either you do one of the things listed below or I upload these pics and a lot more, and I have a lot more and those are better quality, on all your accounts for everyone to see and your dream of being a model will be transformed into a porn star, he wrote. So he's saying, you want to be a model, once I distribute all your pictures, all you're going to be able to do is be a porn star. So, um, this guy's obviously going to be in some trouble for this. He wasn't doing it for money, he was just doing it for, for kicks here, and to, to you know, demand girls follow what he tells them to do on cam, with threats of exposing their naked pictures. But, uh, this was not a girl who was taking nude pics of herself and they got out to the wrong people. This was someone who's just changing her clothes in front of her computer, and she thinks everything's safe. So... Be careful. If you have a webcam on your computer, you probably should do what my girlfriend did and cover it with a very simple low-tech solution. Just tape a piece of paper over it. Now you may say, hey, that's stupid. Who's going to want to see me undressing? I'm a 45-year-old dude. Nobody wants to see me. Nobody's going to demand that I go do nasty stuff on cam for them. Well, maybe not. But maybe they will threaten to distribute the pictures anyway if you don't send them money. You never know. The point is, you should never leave something like a camera open on a computer that you're accessing the internet. It's just not a good idea. So, beware. Also, beware of the microphone on your computer. Most microphones, uh, most computers have an internal mic. I would turn that off unless you were going to be using it. This way people can't listen in on your conversations. Again, those conversations could be used to blackmail you. For example, 
let's say somebody hacks your computer, turns on your uh, your internal mic, and listens to you talking about uh, how fat your Aunt Bertha looked when you just saw her yesterday, and how she's really let herself go, and all kinds of other mean stuff about Aunt Bertha. Then this person goes on your Facebook page and finds Aunt Bertha, and then sends you a recording of you talking about her and says, either you send me a thousand dollars, or Aunt Bertha is going to get this audio of you talking about her. Well, it's true. If this person were to send your Aunt Bertha your voice talking about how ugly she is and how fat she is, you know what? The damage will be done. You may consider giving this person $1,000 just so Aunt Bertha does not get her feelings hurt. So be careful. You never know what people will access on your computer. I admit that the common person is unlikely to run into these situations, but you might as well be safe. It's not a lot of trouble to cover up your webcam with a piece of paper that you tape on there. It's not a lot of trouble to turn off your internal mic. Better safe than sorry. And again, once this info gets out, you can't take it back. You can't untalk about Aunt Bertha. I got an interesting picture that's kind of funny. Uh, Lou Father sent this to me. I was talking about the cobalt blue glasses earlier from uh, people who were looking at Mark Cards. Um, Late in Stu Unger's life, when he won the World Series of Poker in 1997, he's wearing cobalt blue glasses. (laughs) He's sitting next to uh, Jack McClelland uh, with all the cash, and he's wearing cobalt blue glasses. Hmm, makes you wonder. Maybe Stu Unger is the king of invisible ink. That's, that's a good find, Lou Father. All right. So, uh, bad guys going nuts in the, uh, He's going nuts in the chat. Nuts here. So I don't know if he's got his... Bad guy, call in if you want to say what you wanted to say. Um, you were saying a few days ago that you have something big for this show. I don't know if you want to reveal it this week or next week. We we will be doing the show next week. So you don't have to wait till October 8th. But if you want to do it this week, call in because I'm going to end the show very soon. I'm, I'm out of topics. I'm done. Finish. Finito. I was told to check my private messages in the meantime. Uh, so I was sent a, a, a post by Lou Father also. Uh, hmm. This is about Stu Unger. Okay. Um... Around 1995, Stu Unger was getting to be a major problem for the cheats in Vegas. By the way, this is just a post by somebody. I'm not saying any of this is true. Stu was a drug addict who was not going to quit. He also had too much information on the cheats, and they were afraid of him screaming if he didn't stay in in money. He was occasionally playing at Regency around this time. The Regency in Bell, California. This is where cheats and Stu Unger did much of the damage to Huxseed, Phil Phil Helmuth, and many other honest players. Yosh Nakano hosted this game. Doyle, Tripp, Eric, and Stu were among the cheats in attendance. Hmm, interesting that uh, 
Doyle and uh, Chip Reese were uh, accused of cheating here. Problem was, however, Stu Unger was getting older and more addicted to drugs. He was a large liability at this time. If he didn't have drugs and money, he would be screaming. The cheaters kept supplying Stu Unger with money. They didn't have much choice other than the obvious. Stu was never in any real condition to play cards. Drugs consumed most of his life at this time. He was used to a lifestyle, but was getting too old to support it. Besides, the technology had advanced dramatically. Too many other cheats were entering the picture. So this is from uh, Russ Georgiev, by the way, who is a, a very, you know, like an anti-cheating guy, but uh, a lot of people see him as kind of a crackpot. He, he's no longer alive, by the way. I, Russ Georgiev, was also playing in the Bell Club occasionally at this time. There was a smaller pot limit game around 50 feet from the, where the big game was played. I observed much of what transpired. Uh, now we go to September 2000, when I first approached Mike Caro on doing these interviews about cheating. Uh... This is a very long post. I don't feel like reading the whole thing. Yeah, it's too long to read on radio. But uh, he is talking about uh, that uh, these cobalt blue glasses that uh, Stu Unger was wearing in this photo that I just talked about. Uh, It was accused that these glasses were involved with uh, the the 97 uh, World Series of Poker win that he had. Interesting. So, uh, I'll have to read the whole post, but uh, they're saying that Stu couldn't wear contact lenses because the drugs had affected his body to where he couldn't wear contacts. So they made these glasses for him. And that they made them small, so uh, people f- sitting behind him couldn't see what he was seeing through the glasses. So, hmm. Would be interesting if, if uh, Stu Unger won the 97 World Series by cheating through those glasses. Hmm. Very interesting. Too bad we can't interview uh, Russ Georgiev or Stu Unger about this since they're both uh, six feet under. Or someone in the chat saying Stewie wore glasses to hide the fact that he had a fake nose from doing too much coke. Someone in the chat room saying Dan Druff's nudes are in demand in Lithuania. Maybe. Maybe Daddis in Lithuania wants to see my nudes. I wouldn't be surprised. Well. Uh. Bad guy, if you want to call in, do it now. Otherwise, the show's going to end. We'll do the uh, Barcelona Arts another time. Other than that, I've said all I have to say this evening. So, you know what that means. That means the end of the show. But good news, you don't have to wait until next week, or sorry, two weeks from now. You actually can only wait till next week to hear the show. Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. My music stopped. That wasn't good. Oh, 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 I think we may have to stop the music yeah. here. No, we're not. No, no, no. We'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. But I just got to tell you something about that shit you were just talking about your girl. Yeah. I was trying. I didn't get. To, I'm not kidding you. Last week, this is last week. I'm on. I, I still use Yahoo Messenger. Yeah. So I mean, because I don't. You know, I'm. I'm not young. My 
one of my ex-girlfriends, the one we're about to fucking attack, she, somebody sent me something, a PDF file from her, you know, like I thought it was her sending it. There's no doubt I thought it was her. It came from her thing. Now listen to this. Now I download it, whatever. It's a fucking receipt for a birthday party. No reason. She says she swears she didn't send it. I believe it because earlier, like three, four months ago, somebody from Chino, California. Weren't you saying something about that the one night, Chino, California? Uh, what was I saying about Chino? Some, maybe it wasn't Chino. It's something California, some weird ass place. You said something about somebody hacking shit from. Well, no, somewhere that was in that was that was uh, Temecula, California. Well, I think that's the same place. I'm not fucking with you. They broke into her email, so I downloaded this fucking thing. So now, when I'm jerking off at Pornhub, I know they're watching me, Druff. <laughs> you just you just confirmed it, brother. That's not a, that. Listen, that was not the big news for tonight. Druff's still helping me out with something here, and and he's done with the show. I got I got to where I got to late tonight, and we'll do it since you're you're gonna have the show next week, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have it next week. It turns out. So we'll drop it on them next week for sure, 120%. That's going to still happen. There's right, no good. two ways about it. That, that needs to happen. Can you give but any, any hints here? About... I got, what you just talked about, I'm not fucking with you, and I've been thinking about it all week. She did not send that to me. It, so do they do it through PDF files? I haven't heard of hacking they, through. Like, P- I haven't heard of hacking through PDF well, listen, files. I'm on Yahoo Messenger. They made me download something. I download it. It's not her, bro. It's a fucking receipt from like that's something that's on her computer that she and she said she was up in bed. She there's no way she would even have access to that. Would these people have access to her computer? Uh, well, let, let me message. tell you this: they, they wouldn't be sending you something from her computer if they if they wanted to send you some sort of uh, virus. They they would just send you something from their computer on well, her here, account. Let me tell you something else weird. Let me tell you something else weird. Now, no lie. There's another email that we got from her email. It was spammed out to everybody, everybody, and and, and it was this fucked up email. If you clicked on this, but it had everybody's email address she ever emailed. Yeah, actually, let me tell you what probably happened here. Um, she probably sent this receipt to someone at some point as an attachment. Who knows why? She probably forgot she even did it. And they, they accessed okay. her sent mail, probably got that, uh, sent that out for I don't know what reason, and then and then sent out this spam trying to get people over to porn sites or, or, or over to some site where they're going to give your computer no, a virus. No, the thing that was rude, I, I, I could send you the fucking thing if you want me to. I still got it on my one email. I can send it to you. Yeah, send see it to it you, it's like, it's, it's, I, I will send it to you. It's like a link. But what I'm saying is the other night, I, I'm talking about, it was like 1230 at night, bro. I'm sitting there, I'm watching the scores, I, I'm watching the computer, and, you know, a thing comes up from her instant message, and it's a PDF file, and it's that receipt. But it was sent through the instant messenger. And now, three months before, when I was back in the hotels and we did all the crazy shows with TML Gay and everybody, I got an email from her, but it had everybody, even my mom's email was on this thing, and I said, what the fuck is, and I clicked on the motherfucking thing, like, a, like I clicked on this stupid link, and it took you to a site that was just, like, naked. There was nothing on the site, but it had everybody's email, so her shit definitely got hacked, man. Oh yeah, it my sounds like it did. The girl that I used to talk to's computer definitely got hacked. But a lot of and times, they're getting fucking hacked. People are watching me jerk off. Is that what you're telling me? No, I, I, th- I, I think what's lube what, up, brother. What, I got a lube up. I already cut my hair. I got to lube it up. Okay, let me tell you something. What's more likely my cock's is not that small. I have a pre cum problem. I have a little bit of a pre cum problem Jeez. right now. I don't know. Does that happen to you? You're older. You're as old as me. I, my shit's leaking, brother. No, I don't have that problem. What's going on here? I, I've never I had know. that. Well, what the hell? You, you, that, that usually happens when you're younger, right? What happens when you're younger is is you can't last as long. 
They, you, you can have a, uh, a premature bro, ejaculation my problem. my shit's leaking like a fucking faucet, bro. Yeah, I don't know should, what the fuck's going on. You go to a uh, urologist about You think that. I'm fake? It's leaking like a faucet, boys, but my cock goes deep. All the bitches will tell you that. <laughs> Ask any one of them. Next week, hold on, next week, Justin Friend Show, the bad guy will not disappoint. He's coming with the fucking real truth. Just going to do a little bit more investigating for me, and we're going to fucking break somebody's ass next week on this show no matter what, no okay. matter what, no matter if these people fucking crawl to me and say, please, please, bad guy, please, bad dad, don't do it. It's going to happen next week, boys. I promise you. I love you all. Drop great show tonight. TMMO gay, fuck you. I'm glad <laughs> you kicked that cocksucker off the show, brother. You don't know how many times he's called. He's called like a million times since, uh... Do you want to put him on just to fuck with him? No, not really. I'm I, in rare form tonight. I'm good to go. I, I just, I just didn't I'm like there. the, I, I didn't like the, the incessant calling here. I told people not to do that tonight, and he's, he's not listening to me. So, uh, no, he don't listen. Fuck him. He's a Canadian. He don't listen. Yeah, he, see, I, 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 I don't want to reward dick. this. I don't want to reward this behavior. I, I only want to uh, connect people to this show if they follow the few things I ask them to do. I, I don't ask a lot from my listeners. I just say, don't hammer this show over and over and over with calls. If I. Yeah, if, if I don't want to take it, you know? I mean, Dress Solo right now, China Maniac, I mean, he's licking his wounds from the Rams tonight. It happens. I mean, I'm <laughs> licking my wounds still from the motherfucking Eagles game last Thursday. I mean, I think Thursday night football, stay the fuck away, man. Well, I, I can't I believe mean, I'm going to lose this. Right uh, this I'm going to lose this better record bet to Willie McFML for this Cardinals Yeah, and Dodgers. I know you are, too, man. I mean, you believe it? The I Dodgers mean, are about to lose Washington again. Washington just fell down, dude. They just sat down. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. And just, who are they playing now? Who are they they're playing, playing the Giants, you know? and they're, they keep losing. Yeah, they, they don't care. They like look at the. Let me look at the. Oh, so they're losing tonight too. Yeah, they're losing three two tonight. The Dodgers are losing tonight. I didn't. Take, I took them actually. I actually took them the first game in the series, and they actually won for me two to fucking one. Of course, every the, time I take the Dodgers, it's a fucking two to one game, bro. Well, you know, you know what's Win funny is tonight they actually uh, they put up a real lineup tonight because they put they put up like a joke lineup yesterday and lost. So they're like, okay, yeah. we'll we'll put in a real lineup tonight, and they're still losing. But do they really have anything to play for? No. Think about it, because Atlanta won again tonight. I mean, like they're they're getting second place. No, I mean, they they, they know St. Louis can get second place. No, St. Louis now, right? gets second, so they know they're going to get the third seed, right. and they they know they're going to be on the road right. for the first round. So they're like, screw it. I've seen them with like ninety one wins today. When I look, I looked at their lineup too, I almost did bet that game. Olympicum pitching three two. I just seen the final Volquez. I, I I like that Volquez guy, man. He didn't do that bad. Diego, just, right? you know, he didn't do that bad. He he just uh, he just. No, I know. It's the Giants, though. But I think the Volquez pitched good, a couple good years for San Diego. I don't care what any of you guys say. Even though they stunk, he, he was not a bad Well, he was, he was terrible this year for the, for the Padres. But, uh, um, but since he's come to the Dodgers, he hasn't been bad. But uh, uh, yeah, the Dodgers just aren't hitting right now. I hope that just doesn't hey, carry I, over the post I was post-season. really surprised the other night when uh, the, the beer guy came in. What the fuck's his name? I mean, uh, I can't Brian remember Wilson. it now. I'm Brian drunk. Wilson. You know, I'm always drunk. Yeah, but he pitched good the other. He put, he pitched the first inning. Came in the eighth inning. He struck him out, man. Oh, he yeah. was throwing ninety five. Yeah, no, he's looking good. Hey, man. You know, I hope the Pirates beat the fucking Reds, and I hope it's at least one game here. I mean, I do hope that. So we're gonna find out here in the next day. They both fucking lost yesterday as huge favorites. So you know that that's what that's the only real race going on right now to see who gets home field in that thing. Am I right? You, or you know what? Uh, for the Pirates and the Dodgers to see each other. It's going to have to be a lot because the Pirates will have to win the wild card game. Then they're going to have to beat the Braves, and then the uh, the Dodgers are going to, have to beat the Cardinals. A lot right, has yeah. to happen here. Well, let me tell you something: the Dodgers will beat the Cardinals. I hope so. I will. You should make another bet with Willie. I'll guarantee that. The, the, the Cardinals, 
Miller and them, they're going to feast on this cat, man. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking I about. The Dodgers I told you, just, not going back good, in the like thread, recently. I told you that Miller guy's a fucking bum. They, they caught up to him. Walker Cha-Cha, whatever the fuck his name is, almost threw a no-hitter. That guy's a bum also, man. Listen, <laughs> the Braves... Listen, the Braves are going to beat the Pirates as they always do. I mean, somehow, some way, Sid Bream will somehow fly across home plate and win it. But the fucking Dodgers will beat the Cardinals. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I Guarantee hope so. you, I'm already to buy so that my. Means everybody uh, go bet the Cardinals. Bet it big. <laughs> bet your houses on it, man, because the bad guy never wins. Okay. Anyway, next week we're exposing somebody. You hear that, Drop? Yeah. All right. We'll talk about it this week. No, we got to do it, man. Are you kidding me? Is it somebody? Is it somebody on the site? Yeah, they're on the site. I've been telling you to hunt them down, bro. You 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 can't even do that. I mean, what the hell? You you'll find out who I'm talking about. But let's keep it under wraps. Okay, you know. Um, yes, it's a hundred percent somebody on the site. But no, it's nobody that we know. It's somebody that's spying and doing dirty things behind the bad guy's back. The bad uh-huh. dad's back. Breaking bad dad two three hashtag it. Get it up. We're going to have the best fucking show we've ever had. I called fucking Donk down last week. People were saying I'm a traitor, and that's not true. You know what? I, I just I got a, I just got a phone call here. I didn't answer it, but uh, I, I think uh, President Barack Obama is calling me because I, I got a call from uh, 202-456-14114, and that is the phone number to the White House. That was the number that showed up on the caller ID, 202-456-1414. They could be looking for me. And they, you know, Put I them think, on. I, I, no, they hung up already, but uh, I have a feeling, yeah, maybe it's President Obama <laughs> looking for you to uh, make an example out of you for the child support thing. I'd watch out. Hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. This is not about child support yet. This is about bad dad's rights. You know what? Somebody out there that can do movies, they should make a fucking movie called Child Support. It would be the number one seller because the thing they do to people that have to pay child support who aren't bad dads, they don't give a fuck, man. You lose your job, you're going to jail. You don't got a fucking job, you're going to jail. You agree to something and shit comes up lame, you're going to jail. It's a fucking joke because they got these young-ass kids that don't even have kids that are the people you have to go see. And then you see some old-ass judge if you go to the court. And if, there's no reason to go down because these young-ass kids are going to try to make you pay. You don't go down with the young-ass kids. You make them chase you. The bad, bad dad gets chased, my man. That's why I got so many IPs in so many hotels. You can verify. You know I don't stay at no fucking bullshit hotels, drop. Verify. I stay the best Pittsburgh got, brother. <laughs> Next week, we're going to fucking embarrass somebody on this show. The bad guy's going to social media. It's going to be a number one fucking show. It's going to be better than the TK the Pimp episode. I promise that's, you that. That's setting a high bar here. There could be strippers involved next week. There could be strippers involved next week. Wow. All right. Shalom with you. All right. Well, I, I look forward to it next week, uh, October 1st, with the next show. In fact, just five days away because uh, uh, today's Thursday. We will be back on Tuesday, October 1st, 7 p.m. at our regularly scheduled time. Thank you to everybody who donated to the free roll tonight. Thank you to those who revised your schedule to listen to me on Thursday night rather than Tuesday. This show will be going up in the archives, so no worries. No makeup show this time. And uh, thank you to everybody in the chat room who made their comments. Of course, uh, BadGuy23 for calling in for our usual river phone call. And uh, everybody who listens live, everybody who listens in the archives. And I'd like to ask everybody again to post on the forum... 
if there's something you'd like to say, either start a topic or respond to the existing topics, because, uh, you know, it's getting a little stale out there. I like to see new faces there, or even old faces that don't post very often. So, uh, we will be back next week. This is Todd Dandruff Wittellis for Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. You never know what you'll hear on this show. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. What would you like to say? Hashtag Bad Dad 2-3. Make sure you wait for the radio show next week, boys. You won't be disappointed. Shalom, motherfuckers. Okay. That is Bad Guy 23 sign off. And uh, I will be signing off now. Glad to have you all aboard. I made it through this show despite this uh, the remnants of this cold, which hopefully will be gone next week. And we'll be all ready for Bad Guy's great revelation that we all are on the edge of our seats to hear. Good night. Shalom.